Hernanes. Matuzalem, and here's Klose, and Miroslav Klose, with what will be just about the last kick of the game. This goal was scored by German legend Miroslav Klose back in October of 2011 in the 93rd minute of the Derby della Capitale to seal a 2-1 victory for Lazio against Roma. Klose was a large and powerful striker who was particularly known for his ability in the air. In his prime, his turn of pace also proved to be deadly. He achieved longevity due to his size, finishing ability and positional awareness. Miroslav Klose started off his professional senior career with Hamburg in 1998. He became a prolific goalscorer, however, at Kaiserslautern, where he scored 44 goals in 120 games between 1999 and 2004. He went on to play for Werder Bremen, Bayern Munich and, more importantly, obviously, Lazio. <laughs> he wore Lazio's light blue strip between the years of 2011 and 2016, scoring 54 goals in 139 games. At the end of September 2012, Klose scored a goal using his hand for Lazio against Napoli. He admitted this to the referee, who cancelled the goal and shook Klose's hand instead of giving him a yellow card. He has won fair play awards in both Italy and Germany. Although born in Poland, Klose moved to Germany with his parents at the age of six and therefore represented the German national team between 2001 and 2014. Here, he became their all-time top goal scorer with 71 goals in 137 games. He is also the top scorer in the history of the FIFA World Cup, with 16 goals in 24 appearances across four editions from 2002 to 2014. Klose won the Bundesliga and the German Cup twice, the German Super Cup, the Coppa Italia and the World Cup and boasts a large variety of individual awards and records. So hello and welcome to Serie A Spotlight episode 25 We're your hosts Matt and Jake. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube and also check out our new website at seriaspotlight.com. Well, seria We've got a couple writers on board as well. Shout out to David and Mithul. They write some fantastic stuff for us and you should definitely check that out. Yeah, they're great, honestly. Um, Mithul started off with the Venezia and the Coppa Roundup. They're very well written. They're very interesting. And um, David has just dropped a piece on the relegation battle in Serie A. There are seven cool. candidates right now for relegation. It's, to be honest, tighter than the top down there. Um, yeah, great stuff. Of course it is. Um, Matt, you beat me. I did beat you again. I'm getting closer and closer. I think it's 6-4. I just want to stop you. I tell you, you said it's tighter than the top down there. <laughs> and you're like, definitely tighter than the top. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty dirty. Um, Greek, like the Grima in Uendos last week as well. The same yeah, thing with the word Fantastic. I listened, I listened to that episode back and Grima was such a great addition, man. I, he is. He's really well read. On. He's really well mm -hmm. And I like it when people agree with me a lot as well. <laughs> Puts my ego up. Yeah, that's that's why you like me, man. One hundred percent. Um we had a fantastic weekend of football guys, matches like Napoli Inter, um Atalanta Juve, Lazio Bologna. A lot of tight encounters that you know there are a couple of surprises here and there. Um these are the kind of match days that shape up the league towards the end of the campaign. So we're looking forward to running you through these ones. So the first game we're going to be covering is Napoli 1, Inter 1. What are you drinking, bro? Whiskey, man. I'm drinking your whiskey, dude. My whiskey? What whiskey do I have? Your whiskey, man. Um, Glen Turret Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. No way! Hostia, that was given to me by a guest at Glen Eagles, man. 
That's called the Gerard Butler cask, if I'm not mistaken. It has. I was going to say it has Gerard Butler written on it. Like, uh-huh, it there, like, did Gerard Butler give you this? No, in, in that in that region next to Glen Eagles, there are two casks. There's the Gerard Butler cask and the Andy Murray cask. So nice. I got I no idea what the difference is. Well, one of them is a famous actor and the other one's a tennis player. But <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I'm sure they one did. of them's a gladiator. <laughs> exactly. The other one. Uh, it was between this and Jack Daniels, man. So I. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I hope you don't mind. It's it, no, it's a, it's a good whiskey. I remember asking a sommelier like, should I sell this or should I keep it? He said, not worth selling, but totally worth drinking. So, enjoy, bro. That that's that's fucking. It's been bottled for a while. That should be nice. Seventeen seventy five, man. Ah, it's bro. I think bottle. I think you cut off for a second. Can you say that again? Seventeen seventy five from se- the the bottle Jeez. says. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's probably how long the barrel's been there rather than bottled. But anyway, guys, I'm drinking Blue Nun. So it's a sweet German wine. So we see who the bigger man here is. Huh? Big, big old oh, yeah. Jake drinking whiskey. Jake was also but supposed remember, to I'm have... Not, I'm not working right now. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that makes a big difference. So I can wake up hungover, no problem. Jake was supposed to have the Davide Calabria operation yesterday and the Ficayo Tomori operation yesterday. He has a torn meniscus. He was going to get it fixed yesterday, but apparently he had COVID too yeah. recently, so they couldn't put him under anesthesia. Exactly. So it's been postponed to March. So thankfully I can walk for now. March? March, yes. March 4th. Not bad, at least. Not bad. Ah, not bad. No, after my birthday, so... I was expecting them to postpone it for, like, about, like three months. I thought you'd go on the waiting list again, to be honest, but I'm I'm, I'm glad you're not. God, God forbid, man. <laughs> but anyway, let's get straight into it, brother. So, Napoli won, Inter won. The battle at the top of the table, to be fair. So, the previous encounter marked Napoli's first loss of the season in a thrilling 3-2 victory for Inter. I'm sure you all remember that game very clearly. Napoli have now only actually won one of their last 10 encounters against Inter. The only victory coming in a 4-1 thrashing under Carlo Ancelotti back in May of 2019. However, Napoli are now also unbeaten at home to Inter in 15 of their last 16 encounters, their only home defeat to Inter in the 21st century being a 3-1 loss in January of 2020. Both sides have been incredibly hot this season, a second take on third, with Napoli coming off a 2-0 away victory to Venezia and Inter coming off only their second loss of the season against arch-rivals AC Milan. Napoli also blessed by the return of their main man at the back, Kalidou Koulibaly, who had a fantastic game throughout. He's so good. He's a star, that guy, man. He is a star, man. I, I enjoy watching him so much. It's so good to have him back. Um, after just six minutes, Napoli were awarded a penalty after Devry caught Ozyman in the box as a low cross by Zielinski was directed towards him. Daniele Dovry did not need to check VAR. Well, he did need to check VAR actually before awarding this penalty, but was which was converted by Insignia, who applied some serious power in his shot. So one thing I realized is that Insignia doesn't look up when he takes penalties, which is interesting he only looks directly at the ball probably doesn't want to give anything away to the keeper but it's cool to check out what the keeper is doing a lot of keepers <laughs> die before the shot so that could be a reason as to why he's missing so much but obviously insignia doesn't need a lecture from me 
he negates all the mind games though all the goalkeepers mind games all the pointing yeah, and yeah. the, the mm-hmm. mouthing and all that stuff so i guess it makes sense um he's a penalty merchant in senior yeah, yeah yeah he hasn't scored a goal from open play at the season which is quite crazy um after the early goal the match really did seem as though it was in napoli's hands for the first half as they were entertaining as ever playing the ball around zielinski hit the post and Sydney attempted a bicycle kick from close range and Di Lorenzo could have made it 2-0 had Ozyman opted for the pass instead of rifling the ball into the side netting. However, just after the players made it out from half-time, Zeko found himself in a good position and managed to volley the ball in off the crossbar from close range. The way the ball fell to him was very lucky with Lautaro's cross ricocheting off both Di Lorenzo and Koulibaly. But the way the Bosnian finish was superb, they had to apply power. That's the only way he would have beaten the keeper and that's exactly what he did. After that, the match really didn't offer anything to write home about as both sides seemed pretty cautious, perhaps because none of them can afford to drop three points, particularly with Milan's position, none of them afforded to. Um, at one point, I guess Soziman had a good opportunity in the second half after Barella had given the ball away. Um, Elmas forced a brave plunge by Handanovic at one point after Insignia's cross. Um yeah, a couple of a couple of exciting moments as well, but the game really drifted off after the first half. It really did. Like after the seventieth minute, each team shot just once. Yeah. So these guys were were being careful. They were happy with the draw. You can tell. Like the most important thing was that they didn't lose. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I I think you know you give away two points every now and then against a big opponent like Napoli or Inter. They're not the end of the world. But when you drop three points, then then that could really set you back and potentially get you down to third and fourth. Um, Was there a team that deserved it more in this match? I I would personally say that I think Napoli were slightly better throughout the game, but Mm -hmm. I I don't know. It's a toss of a coin, really. I think Napoli came out stronger. They they had more shots. You know, Inter seemed to dominate the possession in some phases of the game. But when Napoli went forward, they certainly looked more dangerous than Inter did. Mm-hmm. They had a few more opportunities as well, man. Napoli are looking good. Napoli are looking like their old selves again, yeah. and, and that's that's always entertaining to watch. They are, and I'm surprised again. Lobotka every week, man. Oh, it has just been so good. I mean, how do you drop that guy? You just drop hey, the like... with Saz back. You know what I mean? Exactly, like this guy barely misplaces a pass. He's pivotal. He's kind of like a stocky Benasser kind of player. <laughs> hey, man! It, it, um, for some reason, I, I do think he, he's put on some more weight again. I, he I, was I criticized for his for his um, for his weight by Gattuso, apparently. No, which was is he? funny because pot, pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Now, a, a topic I really want to cover in this game is obviously Inter are the crown champions of Italy and considering they win the game in hand to Bologna, then they're first by two points. The difference is though that last season they didn't have midweek Champions League fixtures to play. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden they lose to Milan, draw to Napoli and they need to play Liverpool tonight and Sassuolo on Sunday. Exactly. But they have the players to rotate and remain strong, but more than more than the players and, and more than the fatigue they must go through, these losses in succession and, you know, I mean, they probably will lose or, or drop, well, not drop points, but they, they won't beat Liverpool, chances are. And <laughs> this must really weigh heavily, like, on the players' confidence. Like, how do they cope with that? Are, are they ready to go through this bad spell of form? So... I don't think the loss against Liverpool is guaranteed. By the time the spot is out, people will know, by the way, because the game yeah. starts in 30 minutes. Um, oh, we're so irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> but 
let me tell you, they are going to drop points. They are going to drop points out. They have, as you mentioned, they have Liverpool coming up midweek. That's going to take a lot out of them. Then they have to play against Sassuolo, who always plays up to their opponent. If it's a good team, yeah. Sassuolo is going to give you a hard time. Like Followed by Genoa, just five days later. Mm. Then after that, boom, Milan in the Coppa yeah, Italia. Yeah, after yeah. Milan, just three days after Milan, boom, Salernitana and the league, who are literally, they have a new coach. You know, they're going to be fighting for survival. They're just going to pump men behind mm-hmm. the fucking ball. And they're going to mm. try to get something out of that game. You know, then they have Liverpool again. Then, boom, a few days after Torino. Then, boom, Fiorentina, and Juve. They're going to pick up crazy. injuries. Yeah. Gonna injuries, injuries will pile. And that's something they're not used to. Mm-hmm. Ugh, no. it's, it's an annoying period for Inter. I mean, had they won at least one of these games, it would be a completely different story. But obviously, they're still a threat and, and they're still probably the most threatening team in the league. But I can't help but realize that they've been making some errors in their defensive area. Whether it's miscommunication or failed build-up play, they've seemed weaker in what normally is one of their strongest areas in defense. Have you noticed this or am I tripping balls? No, for sure. Um, De Vries, as we discussed last week, he's not the same player he was last year this this season. Mm. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on with him. He's having a bit of a dip in form. Mm-hmm. Is the Bremer um, move Bastogne... a direct replacement for him? Do you think? Um, not necessarily, but maybe. Um, I I don't know actually. I I think Bremer would start for them though. I, I, I think do see might... them getting rid of De Vries. And swapping him for Bremer, to be honest with you. Bremer's a fantastic defender. He's younger than Devry. Um, but then it's hard that to, to let go of a, a veteran like Devry. He's only 30 years old, remember? Yeah, he's only be 30. Odd if, if, they, if they've pushed him out. Maybe, maybe there'll be competition, you know? He's also, yeah, he's also the, the veteran of the, of that back three. You know what I mean? Bastoni's mm-hmm. young, Skriniar's young. Devry brings some experience to the table. Obviously, he's been sure. he's been at Inter for a while. I think it was with Lazio before, was he? He was, yes. And uh-huh. there was a whole scandal when the last game of the season um, would have decided the Champions League qualification. And Inter were playing against Lazio, against Devry. And Devry made the mistake. Oh, my God. I remember that. I remember that. I remember and then Inter that. qualified. And then he joined Inter and played in the Champions League. Ah, and Zaghi was like, I trust this. <laughs> and and they're they're together again, so that's a that's a exactly. cute little love story. But yeah, my, my point was was gonna be that that Devry has seemed a bit sloppy. It seems like he has stepped off a little bit, but I'm sure you know with a, a veteran like him, so mm-hmm. so experienced and and still in the, at in, at his peak at the same time. I don't think it would be a long spell, and I think we'll see him back sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, it could be, it could be, bro, that um, Ranocchia and Kolarov go as well. Huh? Mm-hmm. Remember, there are those guys who barely see the light of day. Like, you bring in Bremer instead of them and suddenly have four centre-backs fighting for three positions. My God, and, and four nice. very, very good fucking centre-backs. Yeah. Huh? So four if every dips a bit in form, you just bring in Bremer. You know, uh, if, if Bastoni's playing a little bit badly, boom, bring in Bremer, whatever. Mm. It's more yeah. like, I think the Inter would mainly be concerned about losing one of their midfielders because I think that those are kind of like the irreplaceable players. So up front, mm-hmm. they've got a bunch of guys that can do the job. Obviously, it'd be a shame to lose Lautaro or Dzeko, but they can always find someone else to slot in, be it Correa or Alexis Sanchez. Those guys can get a serious, serious job done. They're mm-hmm. world-class players, you know what I mean? I think, on the other hand, if they lose Barella, Chalanoglu or Brozovic, I think that's where Inter could stop ticking a little bit. I think those in are fact, the areas they, they'll struggle in. 
that was the point I was gonna make actually because you know you see during a game for example this game against Napoli mm. um, at a point in the second half they looked uninspired mm. they needed kind of spark no a mm-hmm. creative spark in the middle of the pitch um, they, they don't have one they don't have one on the bench they had Sensi before who's a creative outlet in the middle but now who are they gonna bring up they only have um, Vidal Gagliardini and Vecino they lost Sensi yeah. muscle exactly mm-hmm. Sensi was kind of the only player that would be a direct replacement for Chalanoglu, for example, a, a slightly yeah. more attacking midfielder. Varela um, is obviously quite quite box-to-box, so I wouldn't fit him into that ca- category either. He could be replaced by Gagliardini, for example. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, I think that's where they, they can struggle. And, and we all know that Hakan can pick up an injury, Barella can pick up an injury. Uh, we've seen that time and time again. So that would be a, a major concern for Inter. Obviously, it's good for them that they're in Champions League and all that. But these are things they need to keep out for. And they do have mm-hmm. the players to rotate, but you hit them where it hurts and they're going to struggle, man. Napoli, on the other hand, they have some midweek fixtures as well. They're playing Barcelona this Thursday and fuck In the me. Europa League. How that, weird. Like, who would have thought a couple of years ago, like two years ago, that that fixture is going to be played in the Europa League, especially for, for Barca, you know what I mean? Um, but as I said, Napoli are back. They're playing sexy football. I don't think, I think when Napoli are on, there isn't a team that plays sexier football than them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so they are back. They were off the radar for a while. They suffered injuries, COVID cases, players leaving for Afcon, players breaking their fucking face. Um, but yeah, can they do it now, man? That they're back. Obviously, Inter. How do if they win the game in hand that they have, then they're two points ahead. Right behind them would be Milan, and right behind Milan are Napoli. It's a three-horse race. Are Napoli the least likely candidates, or? Could they fucking do it, man? Um, good question. I think they can do it. Um, the most likely to do it, I still think, are Inter. I agree. No, no, I think Inter are the favourites, followed by probably Milan and then Napoli. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen Napoli, like the second Ozymans out. They're, they're a different team up front, completely. Yep. Um, now, the thing is they're at full flow. They have Koulibaly back, Angusa back, Ozyman back, Lobotka is in the form of his life. Ruiz is back. Um it, so it all depends. Good, it would really help them if Insignia started ticking again. Uh-huh. But do you think that will happen this season? That's one of my questions. I don't know. I don't know. Like, the guy is off to Toronto next year. This is He knows. He's aware that this is the last time he's going to play at the top flight. Mm. It's, it's not a lack of him trying or, or anything like that. It's more just his mental space and... And, and all that like would he feel fully confident walking into the team knowing that for example the, the fans are going to chant shit at him every week when he plays you know what I mean like mm. like they it's don't want no, him no. to be the captain anymore so I think it's it's more of a, a mental thing rather than you know what I mean like is he even going to get a goal that's from a good play? point you know we saw for example Chalanoglu when he was getting booed by the Milan fans he was playing terribly no, of course, um, man. He was getting cheered on by the Inter fans. He started playing well. Granted, they booed him a little bit, but we don't talk about that. Um, no, absolutely he, not. Yeah, eighty thousand people booing you must fucking suck, man. <laughs> it must suck. Like, you know what I mean? Eighty thousand people. How like, do you ignore that? You can't, bro. You need to be a, a monster. Like the best of the best don't ignore it. Like Cristiano Ronaldo mm. doesn't ignore it. He embraces it, but he's a fucking exactly. freak of nature. You know what I mean? You just need to take them as cheers. You have to say they're booing me because I'm lit. 
yeah, then exactly. that's the problem. When when the opponent boos you, that's that's an applause. When your own fans boo you, that's that's because you suck. That's assault, man. You know what I mean? Your your own guys are booing you. Like that's something I hate about like the PSGs, the Real Madrids, the Barcelonas, and all those. They turn on their players so quick, man. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it is true. But anyway, yeah. If there's a positive about the rotation that was forced onto Spalletti's men during that dipping period, in my opinion, is that players like Elmas, Unas, Jesus, Lobotka, Demme, Petania, all these guys now have minutes to their names. They have confidence to their name. This is going to help them long term. You know what I mean? We're now looking at, whereas before we would say, for example, that these aren't big caliber players. They've played now. They've played Spalletti's system now. They've played together. They... You know, Lobotka has played with Ruiz. Petania has played along, alongside Insignia. Yes. You know what I mean? It's true. It's true. They, they've, all, they've all put a shift in. And they all believe that they can do it. And they're all competent. That's it. Um, I want to particularly highlight, man. You know, we always thought that it was going to be Koulibaly and Manolas at, that, at the back in that centre-back duo. Yeah. Um, but speaking of competence and guys coming in, doing the job, um, Rahmani has been unbelievable, man. It's, it's crazy because you wouldn't like watch a game of football and say that Rahmani guy is insane. You know what I mean? But the guy just yeah. does what he has to do. He's so clean, man. He is clean. He's a really good player and he's dangerous in the air as well from like set pieces. Mm-hmm. He's tough. He's a good mm-hmm. defender. Definitely and a, really... a worthy partner to Koulibaly. Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, when he was playing alongside Juan Jesus, Napoli weren't conceding many goals either. He, he kept his yeah. ground. And one thing that he's capable of doing... Um, one thing I realized is that Koulibaly and Manolas both have a great head to them. They're both mm-hmm. going to want to get up when they have a corner and try head it home. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Rahmani has a good head to him, but he fucking stays back and allows Koulibaly to go up. So that competence, that pairing at the back, to me, is way more effective than the one of Koulibaly Manolas. Now, granted, Koulibaly is fucking huge and strong <laughs> and Manolas is fucking quick. So on paper, you look at them and you're like, ah, perfect partnership. But I think there's a certain understanding between Rahmani and Koulibaly. And I think Rahmani is one of those guys, like he's the Lautaro on defense. He can just play alongside anyone. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I agree with you there. Do you think that this is Politano's level, bro? Do I think this is Politano's level? I think him coming on as a sub for Napoli... Yes, I mean, if you come on as a sub, or if you, you're gonna have to start a few games, regardless. Like, I think know, he's um, a bit too streaky to play at this level. If I'm being, if I'm being totally honest, does he have certain traits at his arsenal that that make him better than a lot of right wingers? Yes, he's got a sweet left foot. Mm-hmm. He's quite quick on his day. He's dangerous. You know what I mean? But at best, substitute like Herving Lozano yes. murders him. I think so too. I think Politano may be sponging above his weight a little bit at Napoli, but he works hard and you know he he tries to get things done and he does get a few assists. So uh-huh. you know, I, I guess he's he, that decent left foot. The fact that sometimes mm-hmm. when they want to play inverted, they could put him on, then that's a decent shot. I think it mirrors, for example, Bernard Juve. Everyone knows mm-hmm. Bernard isn't fantastic, but you know, fucking Italy bring him on. Because mm-hmm. he puts in a shift and he has certain qualities to Of him. course, he doesn't complain, head down and he works. Exactly. And I think Politano is similar. Um, mm-hmm. Shouldn't put his head down too much because he has a humongous fucking nose. 
but no, I think yeah, yeah. I think he's he's punching above his weight. I think you look at the the rest of the Napoli guys up front and, and mm-hmm. levels ahead of him, levels ahead true, of him. True. Bro, I'm going to stop the recording for a bit because it says one minute and forty at the top, and Madonna Ahaba Allah Harris. Madonna Ahaba. Okay. So Inter find themselves in second place, one point behind Milan, but obviously have that game in hand. Napoli, on the other hand, are in third, one point behind Inter, but they have that game in hand. Again, fucking hell, just play Bologna, man. I'm done saying this, uh, but they have a game in hand, they have a game in hand. Just play it, man. <laughs> yes, man. It's very frustrating, um, especially when the game in hand is against Bologna and you're just assuming Ooh. it's a victory. You know? Imagine it's another, it's another midweek game for them. Yeah, that's probably how it's going to be, man. It's going to add to their woes. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, the next game was between Atalanta and Juve, another cracker. We were we had a crazy weekend here. Man. Yep. Um, Atalanta had won... Ah, it ended 1-1, of course, I should say that. Atalanta had won their last two meetings against Juve, their best ever run against them. And this game meant that winner would take fourth place, the fourth spot. Um, Atalanta are now winless in five in all competitions and Juventus are unbeaten in the league since November. The play-by-play very quickly in the 76th minute Ruslan Malinowski scored thanks to a Remo Freuler assist on a free kick. Um, It was a lovely well-worked free kick where Freuler basically rolled the ball out. Um, It was 35 yards out, you know, Malinowski just kicks the ball as hard as Zuma kicked his cat and bang, (laughs) what a goal. What a fucking goal, man. Goal of the week for me. Bro, uh, in the 91st minute, um, Danilo equalized from a corner by Dybala. Uh, it was a header. The camera panned to Vlaovic, the way it pans to Brahim every time Giroud scored. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone, you know, is going, Vlaovic! But it was actually Danilo, like, his first goal in over a year. Um, yeah, that ended 1-1. What were your thoughts on this game, man? So, like... Exactly, well, not what I predicted, because I thought Juve were going to win the game, particularly with Atalanta's recent loss. Um, But end-to-end stuff, great, great, great fucking game of football. I thought Atalanta were a bit unlucky on certain occasions, Mm -hmm. um, but from a neutral perspective, what a game, man. What a game. Couldn't take my eyes off it. It was amazing as a game. You know, we're talking eight corners each, 21 shots for Atalanta, 15 for Juve, you know, close possession. Um, mm. Chances all around, you know, we had moments where Atalanta were dominating. Fucking had, moments had to where Juve hit were... the post at a point, yeah. man, as well. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, there were shots throughout the whole game. Like, as we said, for example, the, the Inter and Napoli game, it kind mm. of calmed down towards the end. This didn't at all. This just kept going. Exactly. Um Quite a few things I need to, I would like to address basically about this game, bro. First of all, is that Boga is operating well centrally, mm-hmm. but man, he he needs to he needs to open his fucking eyes, man. Yeah, no, no, no. His his decision oh making is is awful at times, Boga. But but yeah, I, I don't want to shit on it's... him too much because he's he's very technically gifted. But sometimes, literally, like you're saying, the guy needs to look up and just make a pass. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's not even about awareness, I think. He's just selfish, man. You know, he had Muriel screaming for it on two occasions. Is he selfish or stupid? That's, I actually have that written as a point over here. Is Boga have um, exactly selfish or stupid, literally? I don't know, bro. I don't know if he's selfish and I don't know if he's... I think he's selfish, personally. 
It could be, man, because, I mean, Marielle was screaming, bro. How do you not hear that? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and then he looked the directly at Gasperini, like the second he lost the ball, Bog, or the second he went for the shot, whatever the hell it was. Um, mm. You see Muriel just turning, standing still, just staring at Gasperini, like, tell this, <laughs> tell this guy something, man. You know? Uh, 25 um, years old, he has he has time to improve that at least. I I, I would hope so. Um, the <laughs> thing is that Sassuolo, he was he had the whole leverage of saying that I'm more gifted than my teammates. Mm. Over here, he doesn't have that leverage. Over here, he can say maybe he's trying to make an impact, you know, trying to mm. impress the boss, trying to impress the fans, get off to a good start. But this is quite counterintuitive, man. Losing the ball is like this is extremely frustrating. You know, playing the ball makes you lovable. It makes you a selfless hero getting the assist. But oh, for sure, and and I think he's gonna be exposed more should he should he play centrally like he did in this match. That's gonna expose him more because he could get away with it on the wing. You know, a bit of trickery on the yeah, wing. Exactly. Some managers only want that. They don't even want them to you know, play the ball around and all that. Just work your way into the box like he did against Inter when he won that penalty. And the yeah. match always saw, he should have fucking passed the ball to Raspadori years before he started stepping over. But he won the penalty. You know, players like Boga are very effective. You know what I mean? Out wide. Now, yes. it was similar to Leao last season where he was very good out wide, but his finishing was fucking awful. And I think it's a similar situation with Bog. I think playing up front is something he's going to need to get used to. For sure, for sure. He's still operating a little bit leftwards. Uh, no, he's not completely central. You know how it is in a Gasparini system where people mm-hmm. kind of drift and move out wide. He's not your traditional conventional striker that operates centrally. He's still kind of collecting the ball from the left. But it is surprising how how much time he's spending in the middle. Yeah, that's say. true. That's true. Um, Shout out Coop Miners, one of Bro. my favorite players in the league. Wow, wow, Wiwa. 23 years old, his first season in the league. He looks like he's been playing in Serie A for 10 years. So versatile. He took a more offensive role this this game. He he's just comfortable, eh? He, he's like he some, sometimes, like you mentioned in the last podcast, he's more conservative. Kind of when, when Atalanta play with four at the back, he kind of slots in as part of that three at the back. And he allows the the left back and right back to take that wing back role. Mm-hmm. And now in games like this, he just moves forward in that attacking midfield role. And he just seems so fucking comfortable, man. You know what I mean? You could toss him in anywhere in that midfield role. He just understands his assignment. Mm-hmm. I mean, he passed well. He got a couple shots away as well. Mm-hmm. He, he was tackling as well. He takes the corners. He takes the corners, you know? man. He's, he's just... He dribbles everything, man. He holds the ball for more... You know, a lot of the play runs through him, and that's crazy considering the seasoned players that are over there. Like you have the likes of Darun and Freuler over there, and you have Coop Miners coming in and dominating the majority of the play mm. there. That's very impressive. This is a guy that in the next two years, a big team is going to come for him, I think. Like Atalanta aren't a small team, don't get me wrong, but but I think this guy will attract eyes. I'm, I'm interested to see the longevity because I hadn't seen what he was like before moving to Italy, but if you could adapt to the Italian game, Within one season, man, then you're impressive. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not an easy league to come to. And for a 23-year-old to come by and do what he's been doing, you know what I mean? And he's got yeah. a fucking shot on him as well. He's got a bit of a rocket in his pocket. So yes, he does. I'd, I'd like to see him play more in that attacking role, in that attacking midfield role. We don't normally see someone filling in that role for Atalanta eh? ever since Papo left. It's apart from Malinowski, obviously. I who... mean... 
you have Malinovsky, Ilicic, and Pessina, they kind of take it, even Pasalic to a certain extent. But none of them operate in the same way as Papu Gomez, of course. He's he's very unique. Yeah, Papu played really close to the two strikers, man. Mm-hmm. And now, mm-hmm. normally, they do tend to operate with one forward and do Van Zapata, and then it would be like Ilicic alongside someone like that. For that uh, three four two one, you know what I mean, or that three mm. four three. Ah, yes, exactly. With two, with two attacking midfielders. Exactly. Of. Ever since Papu left, that's what it's kind of, kind of been like. But Coop Miners kind of brings that back within within that role, man. And I can't stress how much I like the guy. Yeah, great player. Um, guess how many shots Vlaovic took? Fuck, I don't even know, man. He shot. He, he was very times. active. Oh my yeah. god. Oh my god. Seven times, man. How I like how I said yes and then just told you the answer straight up. <laughs> how many <laughs> were on target? I'm seeing here. He had four on target. Wow. Yeah. Two off target. One was blocked. Yeah, I mean, the guy's eager, eh? The guy's eager. This he, was out, his... he outshot everyone. Yeah. My god. By, by, quite, by quite some way. The second to him was Boga, obviously, who should have probably passed on each of those occasions. <laughs> <laughs> we had Hatteber, of course, hitting the crossbar there. That was an interesting. Um, point um, Muriel bro can we talk about Muriel he's not having the best season is he he's not man he's not and and one thing I was really interested to find out is because obviously when a player starts dipping you start thinking of its age but he's still 30 man for some reason I thought yes. he was older than 30 he's been around for a long time we saw him in, in Spain in Italy oh my god bro he is cooking your carrot soup and the smell is just it smells good oof, Jesus Christ nice. Um, Secret recipe, yeah, huh? bro. It's nuts. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, Muriel, aha, uh-huh. he's not seeming himself this season. You know what? I, I think to be honest, to be honest, I, I do think last season he was a bit too good. He was a bit of a cheat code. Like I do think he was better than his standard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he had one of those freak seasons because like not, at, not, at not... Sevilla he didn't even start. Ben Yedder used mm-hmm. to be, used to bench him. You know what I mean? Um, but but he has certain qualities that make him obviously a good striker. Like he's he's fast, he's skillful, and he has a great shot. Is mm-hmm. he an intelligent striker that if he loses those traits, he won't be affected by it? Probably not, dog. I wouldn't I wouldn't say so. I think I think he's he has one of the best heads up front. As in, he's very intelligent, positional awareness, all that. Technically, he knows he knows where to shoot, when to hold the ball, when to pass it, when to. He's a very clever player. So I think longevity-wise, maybe if his body doesn't hold up, his mind certainly will. But I think the the main difference between Muriel this year and last year, apart from the injuries, of course, is Duvan Zapata. Mm, maybe when when Zapata's out and Muriel has to start and is forced to play from the get go. He doesn't perform. No, he's a super you know? sub, eh, man, Muriel. Muriel, I, I, I remember having him on fantasy football last year, Muriel. It's the 75th minute and he's not on. It's the 80th minute and Gasparini brings him on. I'm like, damn, this guy isn't even going to get me a rating. Because if you play under 15 minutes, you don't get a rating. Mm-hmm. Two minutes in, boom, he scores. Another seven minutes, boom, he scores another one. Boom, two goals in the last 10 minutes. And that was the norm. He scored so many goals in the last 10 minutes of the game last season. So I think Muriel's biggest problem, bro, is when he needs to be the main guy over there, when he doesn't have someone to kind of fit in for him when he's not as fit, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he's as much of a target man as Duvan Zapata, obviously. Course, yeah. um, and I think there's a slight issue with his physicality as well. I don't think he, he's got 90 minutes in him. 
for sure, for sure he doesn't. Um, it's been addressed a few times by Gasparini as well. He's kind of okay. a half, you know, a half is the is the ideal for Muriel. Yeah. 60 minutes at most. Exactly. But definitely not 90. In fact, um, recently it's been um, rumored that Atalanta were going to bring in either Pelle, Graziano Pelle, who most recently featured for Parma last season, or okay. Diego Costa, who was close to joining. Ah, yeah, Italy. I saw that. But, um, Those Gasp- rumors were shut down, though. Exactly, no? exactly. They were squashed by Gasperini, and apparently they are hashtag fine as they are. <laughs> okay. Um, Juventus are currently fourth with 46 points, and Atalanta are fifth with 44 points. Um, I don't know if we covered this game enough, bro. Um, I think that um, a draw was deserved. They both played very well, and that fourth spot is going to be decided in consistency over time, not... No, that's it. Not head-to-head, you know? Yeah, this this was this wasn't gonna be the game that that was gonna decide it all. Yeah. You know what you know yeah. what I mean? It, it's about can these teams remain consistent? Like we know Juve are now one of the teams that have improved in the second half of the season through their new signings and Vlaovic and Zakaria. Obviously, the latter didn't play in this match. Mm-hmm. Um, Atalanta, on, on the other hand, we know that they can be a little bit inconsistent at times. By far, one of the most dangerous teams in the league, but they can be inconsistent. Um, so it's very interesting to see uh, which ones will end up in, in Europe. Well, in the, in the Champions League, rather. Juve are currently ahead, but Atalanta do have mm. that game in hand, which is, as always, very fucking annoying. But toss of a coin, man, to be honest. It's, it's, sure. it's all about how these teams mature. At, uh, Juve, I, I have to say, Juve look much tidier than Atalanta at the moment. Much tidier. Um, Morata mm-hmm. seems to have, you know, found himself out wide. The ball is playing well. He has a point to prove. You know, Vlav, which is hu- hungrier than mm-hmm. ever. Um, the midfield seems to be sorted out as well. You know, Deshilio is playing well. I think I think you've kind of got going now. While Atalanta are in a bit of an awkward spot. You know, Duvan's aggravated injury. Gosens left because of that. So there's that big question mark: Are we being manhandled? <laughs> are we being handled mm-hmm. well by by this club? You know, does this club yeah. prioritize our health before anything else? That's a big concern, you know. That's no, a massive concern, and and they tossed in Jeremy Boga after he's just signed, and obviously we saw from this game that it's not going to be an easy task just getting him to perform off the get go. Um, no, I mean they have to get you know it's it's a massive loss in losing Duvan Zapata because when you lose a player like that, like it's not as simple as just replacing him with Muriel or replacing mm-hmm. him with Bogai, you know what I mean? But, you know, the entire system changes. They lose that target, man. Like, imagine Milan without that big number nine. That's we've, why they, they signed Giroud. We've seen it. It's a bit of a nightmare, <laughs> you know? Um, exactly. Rebic up front has only worked on a few, a handful of occasions. You know, we have people who call for it all the time, but we mm. did it against Liverpool. It worked for five minutes, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? And... and- yeah, and bear in mind, Dilicic is out as well for them. This is exactly. his um, mental health as well. So these are big losses. Like, I know Dilicic was streaky, but he, he was finding himself, man. And he knows the team. He knows Muriel. He could get him to perform fucking better than he is, that's for sure. Um, and it could get Atalanta playing in that 4-3-2-1. I mean, 3-4-2-1. That kind of suits them better, man, than this, to be honest. For sure. For sure. Um, definitely going to be interesting to see going forward, bro. Shall we move on to the next? Yep, we shall move on to our beloved Milan as they Milan. beat Sampdoria 1-0. So, 
the reverse fixture was the opening match of Serie A, which ended in the same result. Milan won <laughs> Sampnil. You were there. Crazy. Yeah. Um, Brahim, the dream. Exactly. I mean, out there or the dream, really. Yeah. Let the ball <laughs> slip right under him in that one. Um, some do tend to struggle in this fixture, losing a total of 66 matches against the Rossoneri. However, a 4-0 victory against Sassuolo and a new system under Gianpaolo, who really must have wanted to beat Milan, um, put them in a decent position in this game. For sure. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anyone would have predicted that trash in coming into this. However, at the same time, Milan are riding high themselves, coming off a derby victory against Inter and finding themselves in first place. It's also worth noting that Teo Hernandez has just signed a contract extension, much to the dismay of any right winger and right back in the league. So I'll run you through the play by play. Well, really, the only goal that came in this match was a brilliant fucking goal. By... So listen to this. Rafa Leao and Mike Manian. So Mike Manian turned into prime Paul Scholes and pinged a lovely ball from his own area right to the Portuguese under the left flank. Why would you not use Andrea Pirlo as an, uh, as an example, bro? Because Pirlo is kind of Judas, bro, if I'm, yeah, being, yeah. If I'm being totally honest. I use Diamante, um, man. Come on, don't, don't use Scholes. No, but I mean, that, <laughs> that ball was so Paul Scholes, man. It was Paul good. Scholes pings the, ball, pings the ball like that. And and to be honest, fucking whoever that quarterback was in the, in the what do you call it, man, the Super Bowl Which final. I have, I have um, no idea what a quarterback is, bro. Yeah, the guy that kicks it, I guess, man. So <laughs> he pings it forward he pings it forward he gets leo in a decent position but leo still had so much work to do man but with one touch he got past berezinski finished cleanly past falcone when you're in a match like this where you're so wasteful you need something like that and having players like magic mike manian and rafa leo in the team those are the two guys that single-handedly gave milan the three points this time round yeah, for sure, bro. For sure, for sure. And that Manian fucking pass was beautiful and it made something out of nothing. You know, that's something that we, we haven't had since Dida. You know, Dida was the last goalkeeper to get a to get an assist for Milan. Um, there was a phase, a spell mm. with um, Pepe Reina in the middle. He was quite good with his feet, but I think he only played four games with Milan and he wasn't nearly yeah. as good a shot stopper as we needed at the time. Um, Pepe but yeah, Reina? Yeah. You forgot. Oh my he God. was I, he was uh, I, I totally the substitute to to Donnarumma. Yeah. I remember now. I remember now. Aha! Uh-huh. He didn't play much. He was kind of like a coach. I remember. He, exactly, he very much basically. took on that road. Um, Manian, after twenty five. Now I don't like this stat. If I'm being honest, but I saw it on Instagram today. Mm-hmm. And Matul just sent it on, on our group chat right now, literally. Yeah, how <laughs> oh, good. Um, after 25 match days, he has a better record. Uh, um, less uh, his Basically, his average goals conceded per game is 0. 0.86, which is, or 0. 0.83, which is less than Donnarumma's stats in, in any season. But Mike was also out injured, eh? So it's, it's, it's an unfair statement to make, in my opinion. But still, none, nonetheless, impressive. Does it but take into consideration the the games out injured, bro? I don't. Twenty five match day, match day twenty five. 
Ah. Match day 25. Oh, yeah, okay, 25. That's, and, that's and he was out point. for a month and a half, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, still, still, still impressive. But before we talk too much about Milan, I've got two points to make on Sampdoria. So mm-hmm. firstly, Falcone had another fantastic night. Six saves, including some remarkable ones. Particularly, bro, that one-handed save from Messias' half volley. My that God, was bro. fucking nuts. Yeah, he saved Romagnoli's header, Giroud's overhead kick, and Giroud's header as well. He's definitely their number one goalkeeper. And I love that I pointed it out instantly and said that he's going to bench Audero. Give me he a has... pat on the back for that, bro. Bro, well done. Honestly, he's he's looked way better than Audero. Audero isn't bad, but he has the mistakes in him that Falcone doesn't have, you know. So, um, yeah. And apparently, Falcone has been working hard for a long time. We saw Bruno Fernandes, the the Manchester United um, player, attacking midfielder, Portuguese. He um said mm. he congratulated him on social media, Falcone. He said like you've yes. always worked hard. Yes, because because Bruno Fernandes, many people don't know, was with Sampdoria actually before joining you know, ah, yeah, at yeah, some yeah, point. Uh-huh. Yeah. He said, you've oh, wow, always so worked Falcone hard. has been there that long as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's been there for a while. He's 26 years old. And finally, he's managed to break out into the team. So I'm happy for him. You know, he's playing very well lately. No, he was ridiculous in this game, man. Mm-hmm. As he has been ridiculous in the other ones. And it's <laughs> no easy feat, like, not conceding many goals for Sampdoria. Because we know how abysmal they've been at times this season. <laughs> yeah. That, sure, Samp lost. But had this match been played three, four match days ago, you know what I mean? They would have gotten smashed. This is why it's important to onboard a new manager. Sometimes it doesn't even need to be the right manager, but it just needs to be a new system. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that kind of gives players new motivation. And that's certainly the case with Sampdoria, I think. I think they're definitely looking slightly better. Not slightly better. They're looking significantly better under Gianpaolo. For sure, they are. They're looking way more organized, way more dynamic. Against Milan, obviously, they didn't really show it. They looked... Pretty pressed the whole game. They looked like they were punching above their weight and playing against Milan, to be honest. I can't remember a moment where they threatened. I know Kandreva at some points had like the, oh, the mean, ball at the edge of the air. It was an easy save. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, everything they more tried. Scary. It was more scary that that he had the ball just outside the box than the yeah. shot that said. He terrifies I mean? me. He's an unpredictable donkey, that guy, man. He's a he's a really good player, and he you likes... never know if he's gonna fucking slap the ball as hard as he can to the top corner or just mm. shoot it wide <laughs> or make the wrong decision. But he's he is everything for for the Sampdoria team. Everything goes through him. If you look at the touches, he has way more touches than any other player. He had seventy one, bro, more than any other Milan player had, for example. Mm. You know that's that's pretty impressive, and so mm, even he, more he, so in midfield now. Exactly. Uh, he's... Yeah, you pop him in the middle, you pop him on the wing. He's still going to be the main man. Yeah, for sure. Um, like you said, Milan were never in any real danger of losing the match, but they were very wasteful, man. Will this issue only be fixed once a clinical finisher arrives in the San Siro, or like a sharp shooter of sorts, or you know, is is it something Milan can? brush off with, with with a bit of training. So, I do think that Milan are in need of more than a striker. It's an attacking midfielder, you know. I, I like I Brahim agree. Diaz. I like Brahim Diaz, don't get me wrong. I don't think he deserves to be sold. I don't think he deserves to be dropped. He, he, he should be the backup cam right now for Milan. He should be that sure. guy that's give, like Kalulu, you know. Being given the time to to come in and leave his mark, 
right now the, the big mm-hmm. problem is that he has all this weight on his shoulders. You know, suddenly Chalnoglu left, and this guy has to boom fill in the gap. Twenty-two years old, mm-hmm. his first full season in the league, and people have all these expectations for him. It's bullshit. He's never gonna have a good season like that, man. A full good season. He needs someone to give him a break. You know, and he doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, Giroud has the likes of Zlatan, of course, to rotate with, who's always injured. But right now, I do think that we'll be seeing Lazatic coming in. And Pioli has said that he's impressed with, by him in training. Um, I can't see Giroud starting twice a week for much longer, to be honest, or his back will start acting up again, I think. <laughs> Literally. I, I do think that Milan have, have looked better with, with Giroud in the team. Now, yes, yes. I think... Milan are a better team when Zlatan is around, not necessarily in the starting eleven. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think Zlatan gets too many goals for, for his performances. You, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't really match. When you see him play, you don't think this guy can get two goals in a single match. You know what I mean? But the motivation and the experience that he brings to the team is, is unparalleled, whether he's on the bench or in the starting eleven. But Giroud gets that fucking Leao, Salamakers and Brahim Diaz or whoever is playing it, that, that three behind the striker, he gets them playing much better with his back towards goal, laying them off and giving them opportunities and heading the ball down to them yeah. and, and creating space for them. I think Giroud's always been that kind of striker. We have two new French people at Free Hour recently, mm-hmm. we, we we employed two French people. The French and... seem to hate Giroud, man, the, from the ones I've come across. Bro, they like, oh, bro. They, they, they called him shit. I'm like, yeah. you're fucking nuts. They're, they're like, in the World Cup, he didn't score. They're so, like, so fucking, fucking yeah. what, man? Well, because Mbappe scores, he's well. Probably a better striker, you know what I mean? But That's but, what they all say, man. Know. They're like, oh, Giroud, shit, Mbappe, Mbappe. It's like, really? That's as far as your brain works, you fucking forget eating <laughs> bitch. <laughs> oh, relax. No, no. Um, but yes, of course, I, I do understand if they're going to compare him, for example, to Benzema. I'd rather have Benzema. What are you going to compare him to Mbappe? Mbappe. Because Benzema you know, gives you both. Eh? Mm. Benzema is good with his back towards gold and he's a clinical One finisher of the most well. complete strikers of our generation, Benzema. You know? But Giroud, you look at Giroud, his... his the importance of Giroud to a team is often undermined by his lack of goals scored, which can't be said about Milan now because he, he is scoring a lot. He's scoring a lot. He links mm-hmm. up the play well in the middle. What he can't give us is that direct counter-attack down the middle with a pacey striker. Exactly. But that's, fuck that. Like, we have Leao on one side, Messias no, on the no. other. You don't need that. I mean, if, if Pioli wanted that, he wouldn't have signed Zlatan and Giroud and literally Mandzukic last year. Yeah. That's, that's not what he wants, you know what I mean? If he exactly. wanted that, he'd be playing Rebic up front. Or he wouldn't be signing fucking Lazatic, you know what I mean? Yeah. A six-foot fucking six-god or however fucking big I he is. I think six-four, if I'm not mistaken, six-four. I think that guy, the, the other guy in, in Serie B, Luca, I think his name is, is um, mm. um, six-six or something. He's a massive striker, uh, really interesting pro- oh, youth product. Okay. Um, Tonali and Benasser were brilliant together once again. As always, as always. Being, being the root of many attacks, controlling the tempo. And one thing I like is that these guys both have such a respectable work rate. Like we, mm-hmm. when, when they're in the pitch, it, there doesn't even need to be a crusher, in my opinion, because they both get back and they track back and tackle so much. And then they just carry that ball forward and, and they, they play it to the wings. They play it to the attacking midfield. They play it directly to the striker. I don't think Milan need a crusher when these two guys are on the pitch, man. 
To be honest with you, I think Milan's midfield is, is pretty much sorted, even if Kessi leaves. You know, you have the likes of Pobega and Adli coming in next year. So you have Tonali, Benasser, Krunic, Adli and Pobega. Like, fuck me, that sounds great, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think the attacking midfield position needs to be addressed, as we discussed. Potentially another striker sure. if they decide to not renew Zlatan, which, to be honest, at this point... At his salary, I, I think... I saw a really nice That's analogy, the thing, man. analogy of, of Zlatan because everyone's saying that, hey, when Zlatan plays, Milan play worse this year. And someone was like, hey, look at this. And they posted a graph between like, so it was like Milan up until 2011 and they were great. And then mm. there was a like 10-year dip. And then Milan in 2019, 2020, whatever, back again being good. And it's like, what changed in those years? And it's like Zlatan came back. And that's true. Yeah, you know, no. it's true. Milan improved when Zlatan came back. It, mm-hmm. So no, 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 for for sure, it like that that turning point did happen when Zlatan came back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But how much does he make, man? Six million a year? Yes, but there's some some tax law apparently. Um, don't even I what don't... He, he has to pay it, unlike any other no. footballer <laughs> in the world that apparently fucking. No, apparently, it. apparently they pay less than six million by a significant chunk of money. Um, but anyway, basically, the thing is, even even when it comes to the squad um, slot that Zlatan takes up, I. Th- think that I would like to keep Zlatan as a coach or in yeah, some role say. in management, but I don't think he should have, be have him as part of the technical yeah. team and, and pay him 500k a year. You know what I mean? He'll be more than happy with that, I think. But he's, he's uh, I, I like having him. It's, it's just a matter of could that position be any better? Should, should that position be any better? And I think it should have been better for a long, 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 long time, man, that attacking yeah. role. Um, I guess you could keep him to like bring on as as a luxury option, you know. So like, let's say you have I don't know two good strikers who play the majority of the games, and Zlatan can remain the kind of guy you bring on in the last ten minutes, fifteen minutes of a game. But right mm. now, you know, watching him trying to play ninety minutes, fucking hurting himself on That's the floor, sad, he looks so eh? disappointing. He's on the sideline with ice his fucking face. It's hard. It's tough to watch, you know. The guy, the guy is a fucking warrior, and I can guarantee, like, if you're a Milan fan, buy a Zlatan kit right now. Because oh, the, sure. you'll never goat, see anything. Man. You'll never see anything like this again. The sport, honestly. No, for sure. He's level. the goat, man. Zlatan as as a striker, literally sure. the goat. Um, how eager will Milan be to sign Brahim Diaz? Is my next question. I think he's on the list. I think they'll be very eager. And Pioli seems to really like him. He seems to rate him. They. They hug more than any other player hugs purely. <laughs> I don't know if you it's noticed true. this, but at the end of like many wins, Diaz like jumps on purely. It's like they have a like mm. father-son relationship. And you know, it's Diaz, very cute. Objectively, you look at Diaz, there's raw talent over there. The ceiling is very interesting. You know? Mm-hmm. It's the, the consistency that's a bit weird right now, obviously. With a 22-year-old in his first full season in the league, you understand it. So I think Milan would want to sign him. Real Madrid, unfortunately, have a buyback clause for I believe 25 million. Um, but mm. I do think I do think Milan will, will sign him outright. Well, thankfully, I've heard that Real are, are trying to focus on signing Mbappe this summer and signing Haaland next year in 2023. So they, they can't sign Haaland. They literally don't afford Haaland in 2022. So they're going to save up. <laughs> How funny Real Madrid yeah. saving up yeah. um, until 2023. So it could be kind of they, they look after their finances. And I doubt if they re-sign Brahim for 25 they flip him for much more. I, I doubt they'll make a profit of that. They're up um, to playing look, FIFA, these guys, dude. Hey, man. Uh, so, 
Brahim, in my opinion, there's there's two things that are kind of wrong. You know what I mean? So it's that his shooting is awful. Yes, I'm afraid yes, his shooting is, is very bad. Mm-hmm. But other, otherwise, he's fantastic. Um, and number two is that because he's not... Well, I'm just going to say it, Because he's a fucking tiny guy. Yeah, yeah. Once people figure him out, he doesn't, he doesn't have any attributes that could like... You know, he can't out-muscle anyone. He can't win the ball back much. So he's kind of limited in resources. Then when he starts fucking dribbling and he's pulling everything off and he gives that final pass, he's a brilliant player to have. But I think he does get figured out. He's He is weak. He is weak. And he relies on, tech, on his technique, of course. Now, the thing is, the problem is if Brahim manages to win the fouls, if Brahim mm. wins fouls, he's useful. Why do you think Messi gets away with being so weak, for example? Because he's either going to dribble you or win a free kick. So either way, it's a win-win. Mm. Like no, he's Diaz lately today, has been winning more free kicks. There was a point in time where he would just fall over, lose possession, and like the referee wouldn't call them. And he wasn't playing well. He wasn't playing smart. But I think now he's improved a bit. Mm. He's, he's recovered from his dip recently. Mm. Are there any attacking midfielders you'd have on your list of... of um... Players you'd like to see at Milan next year? Um, I'd take Malinowski. <laughs> oh, I'd take fucking Malinowski in a heartbeat. I'd take Malinowski. To be honest, I'd take any of the Atalanta guys. I'd take Pasalic, I'd take Pessina. Um, mm. And attacking... I don't know I'd take Pessina. I'd take Pessina. Where the fuck no, no. It seems, seems like he's he's not any better than Brahim, in my opinion. Um, he gives you something but, uh, that's just a, than what, mm-hmm. what that's just a hypothetical... That's just a hypothetical question. I'm sure uh-huh. they, they've got something. They've got something lined up. Um, we won't bore you with the Milan chat so much. So Milan are currently first, one point ahead of Inter. Woo! Sampdoria 16, 16th. Sampdoria, two points from the drop zone, and Venezia have a game in hand against Salernitana. Exactly. We could very, very much see Sampdoria battling relegation to the final day. Don't get it twisted uh, because there's some Doria and Avenue manager they're going to make it out. They, we could very much see them fighting to the last day, like we saw Torino fight until the last day last season. Yes, yes. Um, very, very disappointing for some Doria and their fans and for the recently for sure. arrested Ferrero as well. Now, the next game <laughs> we're going to be covering is Sassuolo 2, Roma 2, which means. Correct score, baby. Correct score, baby. Oh my God. I had 2 1. And at the end, fucking Roma equalized at the very end of the game to give you 2-2. And... I was just refreshing live score over yeah. and over. Like, come on, they have a red card. They have to score. They have to score. It's like the 92nd minute, man. It's it's like watching. Watching Sassuolo against Roma is like watching two guys just shooting themselves instead of each other. Like, like <laughs> having like a me- Mexican standoff and they're just blasting like their own feet instead of shooting at their, the opposition. Um, Literally, it's like those two Spider-Man pointing at each exactly, other. Exactly, exactly. My God, are these guys clumsy, man. So, first of oh, all, very... Sassuolo have only won one of their last 18 games against Roma, which is insane. Um, Fuck me. Roma won the reverse fixture, fixture, of course, 2-1. Now, I'll run you through mm-hmm. the very chaotic and interesting play-by-play. In the seventh minute, it was almost a perfect start for the hosts as Hamad Traore found the back of the net early on. But Marco Guida ruled the goal offside for a controversial handball. Now, this was controversial, to be honest. It was one of those that kind of hit his leg, then hit his arm very quickly. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. I never know what the rule is. I don't know. I've seen them been, 
been called. I've seen them not been called. Like so, so I don't know. I have mm-hmm. I have no comment on that. Just weird, cancelled. Imagine consistency. Yeah, this seemed to wake Rome up as Tammy Abraham tapped in from close range, only for the offside flag to end any celebrations. So two disallowed goals, one each. In the 46th minute, Abraham scored a penalty. It was a curious handball. Of course, that guy gets older and dumber, gets clumsier <laughs> as, as the years pass by. Like um, Abraham sent Consili the wrong way and went off in celebration. In the 47th minute, Chris Smalling scored an own goal as Traoré's cross took a slight deflection of Smalling and Pat- Patricio um, fumbled it so clumsily. It was more Patricio's yeah, yeah, mistake yeah. Than, than Smalling's mistake. Um, in the 73rd minute, a great cross came in from Berardi. There was weak defending by Karsdorp, who allowed Traore to take the ball down and finish. And the seven- Good goal by Traore. It was a great goal, yeah. Karsdorp was very weak, though, I have to say. In the mm. 78th minute, there was a red card for um, Ferrari. It was his second yellow on a foul on Abraham. At first, I didn't think he even called the foul. Then next thing I know, he's calling the foul and sending him off. It was quite a weird one. Mm-hmm. And then in the 93rd minute, you bastard, Brian Cristante scored, um, of course, a corner goal. The assist very too. Um, it looked like Maxime Lopez had cleared it off the line, but it had gone in. Um, so once again, you know, looking here, we have a penalty goal and the corner goal for Roma. What do I scream every week, bro? What do you scream? I scream that Roma can't score from open play, man. Ah, they they yes, rely yes, on yes, set yes, pieces yes, yes. and dead ball situations. And once again, that's exactly what happened. You know, we have a penalty I mean, and the corner. Boom. I mean, when's the 69th minute and you bring on Brian Cristante and Eldor Shomorodov <laughs> and then... <laughs> You can see the goal and you're like, all right, Veritu and Maitland Niles. You literally, all you want is people to whip the ball into these two fucking humongous cunts up exactly. front. And that's literally what they got. You know, I, I Jordan Veritu corner, Brian Cristante header, Tammy Abraham from the spot as well. So, I mean, you can't just like discredit Mourinho's ways because, because it did work. But it's just they're so bro. I never want to watch Roma play. Ever, ever. It's ever. always so boring, man. Unless it's the derby or a match against Milan or against one of the top seven. This this stylistically is beautiful against Aswolo. Mm-hmm. But I barely ever want to watch Roma play. They're so one track mind. It's like ball to the wing, early cross, ball yeah. to Pellegrini, ball to the wing, early cross. Run, 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 and then cross. They actually, yes. they actually played like they had a good period towards the end of the game. Of course, when they were trying to get the goal, and towards the end of the first half as well, they they attacked a bit. But again, it was mostly Sassuolo, man. Yeah, it was mostly Sassuolo. I thought Sassuolo were slightly better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ahan, still not convincing enough to go away with full three points. I would reckon that a draw was probably the fair result over here. For sure, for sure. Um, I a fair result, the draw, yes, but also the fa- I would say that a draw is a fair result because they're both so clumsy, you know. But I did want Sassuolo to win it. I did think that Sassuolo kind of deserved it while I was watching the game. It's just the red card was so unlucky, you know. It basically gave Roma the opportunity to equalize because had Ferrari not been sent off, I think this game ends in a Sassuolo victory. Uh-huh. I mean, it very much could be the case that if, if um, he weren't sent off, then Roma would have never gotten that corner in the mm-hmm. first place because they'd be attacking less. 
but at the end of the day, you know, it could and it couldn't. Mm. I, I don't know. Fact of the matter is Roma managed to work their way back, I think, mm. bringing on Jordan Veretu and bringing on Brian Cristante worked out well for them. Literally, set piece, corner, header, yeah, bam, yeah. And, 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 they're, and they're back in it. I mean, there's little Sassuolo could do about that. But then again, you need to give it to Roma for having that at their arsenal. Sure. You know what I mean? When shit isn't working out, a corner, boom, Brian Cristante, header, goal. So I, guess, I, yeah. I, I would say, I would say this, this is quite a fair result. Sure, fair enough, fair enough. Um, Traore, bro, I want to highlight Traore. He's really stepped up. You know, he scored the offside goal. He forced the own goal and he scored the the other goal as well. So that's three technically goals that he mm-hmm. was involved in over here. He's pretty good. And to be honest, this is a young player, right? He's he's 22 years old, Traore. Now, mm-hmm. a couple of seasons back, this guy was playing with Empoli, fighting for survival with the likes of Benacer, Caputo, and Krunic. Like that. Oh, my God. That was a dream was team. Trauer, yeah. Of course, <laughs> man. Yeah, he was really young back then. And, you know, I think he's ready to, to take the role. You know, he's replacing Boga on that left side, and he's been playing That's pretty That's what I was going to say. Like, like they, they haven't missed Boga yet because Traore has... has... You know, stepped it up. He's been decent. He's he's been taking shots. He's been making dribbles, and he he's finding himself. I feel he's he's in that process. He's finding himself, and he's improving as a player. Mm-hmm. At twenty two years old, I mean, what you can't really expect anything more from him at the moment. And I like like Sassuolo are a young team, man, mm-hmm. a very young mm-hmm. team. One one guy I'd like to highlight personally, brother, mm-hmm. is fucking Maxime Lopez. Wow, is a wow, like yeah. He, Everything about him is he's he's so elegant, yet he, he's he doesn't shy away from getting his from getting his hands dirty either. You know what I mean? Definitely, definitely. The guy I believe was with Marseille before. Yes, Marseille. Uh-huh. He's uh-huh. he's Marseille. a very good football player, man. And and I tweeted recently. Um, I tweeted, you know, save Maxim. He needs to be saved from this mm. from this shit show because he's the only guy who gives like one hundred percent every time he plays. And now he, he suddenly. He, there's been like a wave of Maxime appreciation. You know, IFTV posted about him. Um, people yeah. are talking uh-huh. about That's him. enough for people to, to start yeah. appreciating him. A couple but posts here and there. Fair, fair play because the guy is a really good player, man. A really good no, player. No, I would say if Mil- had Milan not had Benasser, had, had they not had Tonali, I, I, would, I, would, I would be saying, you know, we need to get Maxime Lopez. But of course, Milan are covered in that position. But I can see many teams that could use the, the abilities of Lopez. Ah, for sure, for sure. Fuck me, he's wow. He weighs fifty-eight kilograms. Wow, that's a that's how fifty-eight. Fifty-eight, fifty-eight. What the hell? He weighs. I think I think he less weighs than our women. <laughs> I think he weighs fifty-eight or fifty-six. <laughs> that's wow. hilarious. Oscar, Oscar. Um, Key. How much do you weigh? Not, not in the misogynistic way, as in there's a footballer that weighs 58 kilos. And I said, I think he weighs that much. How much do you weigh? 56. 56? Close enough. You can take Maxime Lopez. Yeah, she could beat him up. <laughs> literally. Literally. Okay. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a real bit. But I remember realizing that Maxime Lopez was a good player um, when we watched him live. You really Against see eh? when you when you watch a game live, these players really stand out. Mm-hmm. Like I'll never forget when we were watching United against Wolves at Old Trafford, and I was watching Vidic while United were attacking, and he was yelling at the other defenders organizing the back line. 
And I was like, okay, so it's not just an act that like Vidic organizes the back line and that he's a leader and all that, but you're seeing it right in front of you. And that's like when I realized how good Vidic is. And I had that kind of awakening with Maxime Lopez over there because he's he's always available no matter what. It's kind of like, I feel like he almost follows the ref when he plays. And he's always kind of in space. That's what Papu used to do, Papu Gomez. Apparently, Gasperini had told him, you know, to find pockets of space, you have to follow the referee. <laughs> Maybe Lopez oh, does, but Lopez is obviously deeper. He's kind of in front of the defence. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, very, why very did, good why did Why did Defrel start up front? Um, that's a fantastic question. I think Skamaka must have been out, like, because he didn't even come on as a substitute. Because Ras- Raspadori is suspended. Mm-hmm. I think even I think even Skamaka's out for be. sure. Because um, you know the Fred wouldn't start if Skamaka's healthy. Mm-hmm. The yellow card accumulations or, or an injury. We'll double check that very shortly. In the meantime, I want to say that um, Fratesi's positional awareness, bro, is way better than his finishing. And if his finishing oh, improves, he he could be kind of like the next like Pasalic type of player. Because he's very mm. smart. He gets himself in those positions. He just doesn't have the technique to kind of execute it on a consistent level. Like this game, he missed. There was one chance. It was horrible, his finish. Ah, I, I remember. No, he's he's not exactly frightening and, and like in front of goal. And I remember us really enjoying him during the, <laughs> was it the under-21 yes. Euros yeah. or the under-21 World Cup? I think so. And World we were Cup, really enjoying him. Yeah. Exactly. There was him and Rovella. Rovella. There was Grassi as well. Grassi. Yeah, um, what wasn't there? Skamaka as well. Was I think Skamaka? so. I think so, man. There, there were all these young talents. It was so much fun to watch. I do recommend when, like, the Euros and the World Cup happened, the under twenty ones of Italy. Let's watch them. You know, there's so oh, much say sure. uh, talent over there, man. So so cool. For to watch. sure. And, uh uh-huh, no, Fratez isn't exactly frightening in front of God. No, he had three shots, you know, he should have probably done better in every single one of them, to be honest. But anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on that. Thanks. Um, so I said Roma continued to rely on set pieces over here. Yes, both teams are responsible for not getting more from this game. Potentially the two clumsiest sides in the league. Yes, Defrel and Afena John struggled to assert themselves in the game. John's best moment mm-hmm. was the one-on-one that he missed. Defrel had 31 touches and John had 27 in the whole game. Oh, wow. Yeah, quite low, man, okay. in fact. Um, Defrel was mm-hmm. subbed out in the 79th minute for one. I'm surprised he made it that far. He was only subbed out because of Ferrari's red card. While mm-hmm. um, John was subbed out in the 69th minute for Shomorodov. But I'm, I'm not surprised that John isn't that involved in games. I think the way Roma operates is, is very much the secondary striker is there alongside Abraham to create space for him. So to make that run off the ball and create space for Tammy Abraham, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like having a pacey guy alongside Tammy Abraham will put Tammy Abraham in space to give him that long ball, to give him that that looping ball over the top and they'll have some space in front of him. You know what I mean? So I think Gian creates pockets of space for Abraham to assert himself in base. Because I'm not too surprised on that front. I think Defrel should be getting in more positions with the pace that he has. I think that's the only thing he kind of brings to the game. He's very technically gifted and and he's very fast. Mm -hmm. And I think he should be getting into better positions with considering those assets sure that's fair enough that's fair enough you know um you look at the you're talking about pockets of space and all that and opening up for your teammates but 
the Stromat side is so disjointed. Like you look at the pass accuracy of the front three of, of Abraham, yeah. John, and Pellegrini behind them. Pellegrini had a 58% pass success rate this game. That's fucking awful. Ooh. John 64, That's... Abraham 63, Vinya 68. Like what what's going on, man? The second it leaves that midfield, the second it leaves Mikitarian, Oliveira, or Karsdorp, apparently, small in Kumbula, Mancini, whatever, they fuck it up. Mm. You know, they fuck the ball up. They have no game plan again. That's the thing. They don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. They have to hold the and ball up and wait. That's it. And Roma passed the ball around as well. I had 358 accurate passes. So I'd love to fucking know how many bad passes they've had. Right, definitely. Jesus. Um, one, one, of their, one of their most accurate passes was Patricio, who takes goal yeah, kicks. Exactly. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like... Kumbola, who must have played like what seven minutes? Yeah, of course. He... That's that's this is this is these these are some terrible stats. They are, bro. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. came on and fucked up half his passes, like. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, it has Brian been a... the new Pirlo with ninety-two percent. There we go, man. That's why you bring him on. Um, <laughs> I want to hi- highlight that Veretout is no longer in Roma's plans. Apparently, it has been reported, and Milan are interested. Like it's two thousand. I knew Mourinho would like him from day one. I knew Mourinho would why? like why him from that? day one because he's that kind of player that like sits between midfield and the defense and doesn't offer you anything obviously good. You know what I mean? And he also has slight fitness issues. Slight, I would say they're pretty adamant, the issues. Okay, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Very significant fitness issues. Yeah. Um, um, but I knew probably he wouldn't like his work rate. Veretout is the kind of guy that will complain after after getting substituted. Yeah. I just I thought it was written in the stars that him and Mourinho wouldn't get along. Man. Well, it turns out you were spot on because apparently Milan want him for, and his rumored price is 20 million. Would you pay 20 million for Veretout if you were Milan? Would I pay 20 million for Veretu if I were Milan? Considering Milan's budget, no. Yeah, definitely it, fucking it, not, man. Like It would be good to have a penalty taker. I think 15 million of that is his penalty taking <laughs> abilities. And That's those boring. weird games, I think three times a season, he's just, yeah. you know, Baresi, you know what I mean? <laughs> but but otherwise, like there are games where he scores braces and, and, and he's got a good shot on him as well. But... He's so like always behind behind play. He he's never like fully committed to the match, I feel. I I, I don't know why. I just think he's slow, he's a bit lazy, and he's always tired. But then he has his assets as well. He's a good passer of the ball. Um, he's alright for for like strong. When you have a good team around him, he's fine. You know, he can act as the mm. metronome. But the second you need him to be like the standout performer of a team, you know, he's not he's not that guy. I do think he was horse dick in the Premier League. He was in the Premier League, very too. He was in the Premier League. Uh huh. Who did he play for? I want to say West Ham, but I don't think it was West Ham. Um, very too. I'm gonna tell you. No, no, no. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell You're you. You're gonna tell me. Boom, Aston Villa. Bam! Oh my God, I got the burgundy right at least. 2015-2017. Wow. And then he went to Saint Etienne on loan. And then to Fiorentina, of course. This was back when he was rumored to be joining Milan. Then he joined Roma. And to be honest, he's had the best form of his career at at Roma. Yes, yes, he 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 has been mm-hmm. good for Roma throughout the years. Um, I I'm not personally such a fan of Veretout, and this coming from a guy that had him on Fanta last year, and he potentially won me the entire thing. He was great. He was great. 
But yes, mm-hmm. no, it's, it's because he takes penalties, eh? So very, very overrated in that sense because his contributions do come from the spot. So yeah. At the end of the game, bro, I'm gonna move on a bit because I'm a little bit conscious of time, as Oli Fisher on Sempre Milan says all the time. Um, <laughs> Berardi and Mourinho fought at the end of the game because Kumbula told him basically to stop diving. He got up, he got pissed, and he ended up shouting at Mourinho. Um, Mourinho, drama just surrounds him. No, recently he had Capello criticizing uh-huh. him, and Capello it yes, takes yes. a lot for for Capello to like go on TV and call you a piece of shit. Um, mm-hmm. He said. That Mourinho has caused economic damage to Roma. Um, <laughs> he played his last card by offending his players. Um, basically, Mourinho told his players that they have no balls. I'm not even. I'm not even like joking. That's exactly what he said. He said, "You Sounds guys like have no balls, there. or you guys are without balls." I think is a direct translation, um, and that is the worst thing for a man. He said, which is extremely oh, offensive. Oh shit! Exactly, especially here. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's not say that. <laughs> um, he said that's the worst thing for a man, exactly. Dikani also criticized Mourinho for his approach, saying that he took the same approach during his day- days at Tottenham and it didn't pay off. Now, Mourinho, Mourinho's reaction to this was, it's fifth-rate journalism without ethics. Journalism without the sense of germ- journalism, which is truth. Fuck, man, this whiskey. Uh, <laughs> I could smell the whiskey in your breath and I'm in another house, like... <laughs> The quality we have cannot be questioned. Um, wait, no. The quality we have that cannot be questioned is our togetherness, he said. We are unbeatable in that. Do you agree? Do you agree that United, United, that um, Roma are more united than any other team in the league? No. Definitely not. Like <laughs> Absolutely not. I think Milan are more united. I think Inter are more united. I think definitely Napoli are more united. Bro, I, I would even argue that Cagliari, Venezia exactly. are more united. Ever since they got rid of Caceres and fucking what's his name. No, he, he does normally divide the dressing room. Now, he's one of the greatest managers of all time, so I don't want to be here giving him stick. But um, I think his methods are a bit old school. You know yes, what I mean? Like, I don't like the way Roma play football, I'm going to say for the 17th time yeah. <laughs> while talking about this game. And I don't like his, the way he tries to get the best out of his players. Like, I, I was I was watching when, you know, Spurs made that weird series and it was all like revolved mm-hmm. around Mourinho as well, where he sat Dele Alli down and, and he was speaking to him saying like, this is where you, you fucked the up. Greatest... Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's like, Obviously, the media takes his words and they, they put it in articles and it's shit. It makes us think Mourinho's terrible and, and all that, which I think his methods are very old school in the sense that he offends his players to get the best out of them when players today need fucking TLC. Um, What's TLC, bro? Tender love and care? That's the one. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> spot on. <laughs> nice. But... But uh-huh, he needs to watch out a little bit, man, because he divides the dressing room, he divides the fans. Like, to have 50% of Roma fans liking you and 50% of them hating you, 50% saying you should get time and 50% saying that he's like cancer growing in their team, yeah. then you're entering dangerous territory. Like, clearly, you're doing something wrong. And it doesn't matter if you won a Champions League with Porto and the treble with Inter. You know what I mean? For sure, bro. I, I totally see what you mean. Um... Especially, you know, 
apart from messing up the morale of the of the dressing room, as Capello said, you're messing up the potential to sell some of these players. Imagine you go out every week and you say Kumbulas and Dreddy Kumbulas and showing himself, you know, he's not working hard enough. Who the fuck's going to buy that guy? No, it's fucking ridiculous. But, it's ridiculous. But anyway, perhaps we should... Marketing and PR team. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you where they stand in the table. Um, Roma are currently seventh with 40 points, while Sassuolo are 12th with 30 points. Okay. Great, I get to talk about Bologna now. Yeah. Fuck my life. <laughs> um, we'll hop over to the other side of Roma's Lazio beat Roma three goals to nil. So these sides are officially level on aggregate this season after the reverse fixture. So Bologna shockingly coming. You're lagging a little bit, bro. Give it, give it a minute. Give it a minute. Um, try again. Okay, so these sides are officially level on aggregate this season after the reverse fixture saw Bologna shockingly coming out with a 3-0 victory. This time it was the other way around. How do I sound, bro? Great, great, great. You're good now. Sexy? Yeah, really, really good looking and handsome, husky and deep. Oh, amazing. Thanks, bro. Um, however, Lazio have only lost one of their last 20 Serie A home games against Bologna. And this was back in 2012, where they lost 3-1, thanks to goals by Portanova, Diamanti, and Karin. So, I'll take you through the play-by-play. In the 12th minute, Sao Mauro gave away a very clumsy penalty as he was carrying the ball out of the penalty area. And he swung his arm back into Zaccani's face. Like, honestly, no one was threatening to score. The referee <laughs> awarded a penalty, which Immobile obviously drilled into the bottom corner. And We have yeah, a bet, we have a bet, it. we have a bet. Mm-hmm. And I think Immobile is ahead at the moment. He is, so he is, he is. subsequently you're ahead. Exactly. Which means that exactly. you need to get me a kid, bro, if it if it keeps if this trend keeps up, of course. Uh, don't worry, fourteen match days left, Bello, or thirteen match days, so we'll don't, don't get your we'll hopes see. up. Vlaovic has a couple of hat tricks in him left. She was an old fifth... horse. So we'll see. Mm, Vlaovic is the Yo- young is buck. The... Exactly, the young buck. Uh, in the 53rd minute, Zakanye made it 2-0 after he slotted the ball through the legs of Skorupski after a brilliant through pass by Luis Alberto, who waited and waited and waited for the perfect moment before releasing the ball. And released the ball, he did, and Zakanye converted. Zakani got his second of the night and Lazio's third in the 63rd minute after Lazzari played a low ball into the area. We just needed the Italian winger to direct the ball goalwards. Luis Alberto was once again key in this play as he found Lazzari well. So, we have to give credit where it's due. Brother, mm-hmm. Lazio looked really good in this match and the players seem to have found some fire in them after the 4-0 Coppa lost to Milan. But even before that, I believe um, this is Lazio's third 3-0 victory in four matches against the likes of Bologna, um, Salernitana, and I have Atalanta listed here, but that's wrong. They came nil-nil to Atalanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fiorentina, actually, were the other yeah. team I'm remembering. Yeah. Let me tell you, um, dude. What... Do you feel? Yeah, please, please, please. Do you feel like Sarri's long-term strategy could be coming through here? For sure. Because they're I on mean... a slightly good spell. Do you think it's the turning point, or is it just you know form? It's obvious that when that this okay. So first of all, it's obvious that his system requires time, right? I mean, it takes mm-hmm. a while to convince a bunch of players to play this style of football, but. Fuck me, does it look good when it works, man? Like, yeah, yeah, man, like it's... a few of these goals were beautiful, you know, a few beautiful team goals, like like that. Um, the Zakani one, I think it was the second one. It was a 
amazing team mm-hmm. play, amazing mm-hmm. team play, man. Luis Alberto yeah. to Lazzari, Lazzari to Zaccani. Simple one-twos, movement of the ball. Mm-hmm. It works really well, man. Like and and I have to say, I do hope they stick with him because I, I want to see what happens in the second season with this guy. The no, third same, same, well. same. Um, the highlight mm-hmm. of the game for me, bro, was definitely the snot rocket. That sorry, I have fucking... that listed down as a snot rocket as well, oh, bro. It was my God. disgusting, I... and the camera pans to him at that exact. Moment. I remember watching the game, and I'm like, no way! Like, I wasn't no, no, looking no at way. the time. I, I was I was looking away or something, and I just hear Sarah go, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? And Metul sent it like moments after it happened. I think Metul sent it I before said, I, said, I actually I saw it because of the lag. Ah, you sent it. I think so yeah. But no problem. I have to interrupt you. Yes. Because we're talking about how Lazio could be improving. Mm-hmm. Um, the second part to my question was, will they now struggle with the addition of Europa League football to their schedule? Mm-hmm. They're playing Porto oh, on Thursday. That's an extremely difficult game for them. And I can guarantee you right <laughs> now that they will lose How do it. you know, bro? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I know I because hate Porto. Juve struggled against Porto, Milan struggled against Porto, and now Lazio will struggle against Porto. Porto are a very organized team, they kind of catch you off guard, you don't expect them to be so good because they play in Portugal, which isn't like a crazy good, it's not a top mm-hmm. five league, you know, respect to Portugal, you've had some amazing players, amazing teams come out of there, but, um, but yeah, um, you know, you look at Porto, they're, they're always one of the toughest teams you can come up against. Um, granted, they have lost a few key know. pieces. Huh? They've lost a few key pieces. Mm-hmm. But still, I would love to know the return on putting a fiver on Porto winning the Europa League. I would love to know the return on that. I might fucking do it. We'll take a look at that um, and post it on our Twitter and our Instagram stories. Nice. Zakanyi will definitely see more play. Will be seeing more playing time, in my opinion. His consistent quality could give Lazio something to work with in yeah. every single match rather than Anderson, who could be inconsistent. And I also like the front three of Immobile with Zaccagni to his left and Pedro to his it's right. It's great. They really so complement each other. There's a lot of other. creativity over yeah. there, man. For sure, for sure. They complement each other really nicely. Mm-hmm. And he was praised Zakani was praised by Sarri as well just after he got that snot rocket off the bottom of his lip <laughs> he said that, he said that he listens a lot he implements new things in his game and he also said that normally Zakani plays further down the pitch and not that close to Immobile and he wanted him to play closer to Immobile and subsequently he got two goals so uh-huh. Wow. He likes him. Very nice. Very nice. I'm happy for Zakani. I I was hoping he wouldn't like dip after he left Verona, but it's going very well for him. It's going pretty decently for Lazio right now. They're in a bit of a honeymoon phase right now. It's going well for them. Um, clean mm-hmm. sheets. I, I don't know the statistics, but uh, this is, I think, their second, third clean sheet. In uh-huh. Well, well, in, in the last four matches. Well, no, they, they, that's, that's, they came nil-nil to Atalanta, yeah, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's four clean sheets four in a clean row. Sheets though, in that's a row. that's four clean sheets in a row. That's whoever has struck Osha mm-hmm. on, on fantasy football, you're feasting. Um, exactly. Great. <laughs> Bologna, on the other hand, leave a lot to be desired. Mihailovic bad. Um, all that stuff, you know. Orsolini playing up front showed a few moments, but, you know, they didn't really show up, man, at all. This was literally the complete opposite of what we saw on the reverse fixture where Bologna won 3-0. It was literally the exact opposite affair. Like, 
Mm -hmm. I was going to say, like, obviously Lazio played well, but it takes two to tango. Mm -hmm. eh? And Bologna were absolute shit and they allowed Lazio to play with as much freedom as they wanted. And, and under a system with Sarri, that's never going to go well. Mm -hmm. um, they haven't won in five matches and they lost four of those. Granted, they beat Sassuolo 3-0 before that. But we know how Sassuolo operate. And anyway, that was a while ago. Um, they seem to be the only team that have got... This is this is a good point by me. Yeah. Um, they seem to be, Bologna, the only team that have gotten worse as the season went on. Like, since January, all the teams have kind of made that improvement. You know what I mean? Especially the bottom half mm. and, and the, the teams that are fighting relegation. Bologna seem like they've gotten worse. And I think this is definitely a sign of mismanagement. Mm. And it brings me back to the point that Mihailovic should be sacked sooner rather than later. Probably, again, as we always say, it's probably a formality that he's still on there after last season, right, with his health and all that. Um, to to mm -hmm. cement your, your argument, I would say that um, Udinese as well got worse. Udinese and probably <laughs> Bologna are the ones that got worse. I mean, look at Udinese and their last five, they won one. They have three losses and a draw as well. With, with um, Trophy, they haven't been as good as they were with Gotti, definitely not. I'm sorry. I'm going to stop you because we're going to talk about Udinese and my next... Oh, yes. My you're next right, fixture. You're right. You're right. So we should I'm probably just... You. Oh, you have anything else you want to say about this game? No. Lazio are sixth, yeah. putting pressure on Atalanta and Juve. Bologna are 13th, two points ahead of Spezia, but have a game in hand. They've really dropped that 18th. They have, they have. Man, lately we've been taking our sweet, sweet time. I don't know if this is online, but these fucking episodes are long. Fucking hell, let's, 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 yeah, let's bring up the pace. Pick up the pace a little bit. The next game was between Spezia and Fiorentina, which ended 2-1 to Fiorentina. Um, Fiorentina manager Vincenzo Italiano um, was basically the manager of Spezia beforehand. His exploits over there made him a hero, um, but his departure left a bad taste in the fans' mouth. Um, they would have liked mm. to get one over him today, Matt. Um, they would, today, that day. Um, definitely. In fact, no, in fact, sure. the, the Curva... The Spezia fans were all fired up, you know, they were really egging, egging Spezia on. And in fact, Spezia came out really strong in the first bit. They, they attacked quite a bit. Um, coming into this game, Spezia had taken 10 points from a possible 12. The two points dropped were against Salernitana. Lol. Um, Fiorentina <laughs> ended their winless run of three on the road in Serie A. So this is an all-round good result for Fiorentina. Now, quickly sure. through the play-by-play, -play. in the 16th minute, Piontek missed a penalty. The penalty was awarded due to the fact that Rieka tripped Gonzalez in the box, a very menacing Gonzalez, might I add. This was the seventh penalty mm -hmm. of the season for Fiorentina. Um, he struck the left post, okay? Now, Piontek has now missed two out of three penalties since returning. In the 42nd minute, Piontek Jesus. made up for it by scoring, basically. Um, Castrovilli played a nice ball to Male, who did really well to turn and cross it into the area. Odrio Zola kind of jumped over the ball. It was a nice feint. It fell to Piontek, who tapped it in his first league goal for Fiorentina. Very good Ooh. by him. In the 74th minute, super sub Kevin Agudelo dispossessed Amrabat at the halfway line and charged like a rabid dog the entire way to the box and just shot it past Terracciano and scored to equalize crazy scenes. Kevin Agudelo, mm -hmm. I can't help but like you, man. You're a really cool player. In the 89th mm -hmm. minute, Sofian Amrabat um, made up for his earlier mistake when he received the ball by Arthur Cabral from some distance out and just shot it into the bottom left corner, I believe. 
Am I the only one that this thought that thought this was Saponara? I thought it was <laughs> Saponara too, bro. And I have Saponara in fantasy football, and I was freaking out. Then I, I know you outbid th- me. Then it then it pans like closely, and I see it's Amrabat. I'm like, no, this the same <laughs> head, man. Uh, what a way to atone for his previous error, leading to the equalizer. Amrabat, the winner, you know, on uh-huh. Instagram, everyone was like, you deserve it, and all that. It was mm-hmm. cr- great scenes, you know. Very happy for him. Spezia almost. Almost got lucky again, man. Like, how at this point, I, I'm starting to believe that these guys make their own luck, bro. I mean, you know, they, they put themselves in those positions, bro. I mean, the fact that they needed one goal to get back into the game mm-hmm. and not two, not three, unlike other teams towards the lower half of the league that lose 3 0, 4 0, you know, being conservative, which they are a, a conservative team, works out well for them. Sure. They do well. They they don't lose by by massive margins. They don't win by massive margins. They draw a lot of games. They're a safe side, mm-hmm. and and they've got their system. They stick to it, and they're always in in contention to to win. I can't remember the last time they got absolutely mauled. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? No, it's true. Um, they they do kind of hang in there, but it's always like I don't know. Every, every side that seems to play spets, you're wasteful now. Whether it's Providel having a great game or like in this case Fiorentina just not looking as threatening as they probably should against a side like this. I mean, you look at the statistics over here: sixty-seven percent ball possession to Fiorentina. Like that's crazy. Twenty-one shots to nine. You know that they absolutely dominated. Mm. I mean, should have never been this close an affair. You know, you look at uh, you look at the true. touches of a few of these starters as well. You know, you look at, for example, okay, Jazzy. How many touches do you think Jazzy had this game? He had fucking. S- that has to be wrong. One second. Okay, Manai touched the ball. Manai touched the ball nine times. Okay, this game. Okay. Their striker. Oh, okay. Jazzy touched mm-hmm. the ball eight times. Okay, <laughs> that's absolutely shambolic. Like they they did nothing in the first half. These guys, absolutely nothing. In fact, they were they were subbed out. In fact, um, in the in the fifty sixth minute, uh, Motta took them both out. He took Manai and Jazzy out, respect respectively, for Poli and Nzola. Um, I don't know at this point. To be honest, I'd just start Nzola, man. If I were if I were Motta. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't at know. At least Nzola went on that run last year and scored like eight goals. Ah, uh, he has like he has the capability to do it. It's just he's so streaky, man. That you know, I've seen him shit the bed more than I've seen him clean it up. You know what I mean? Sure. Interesting analogy. He's been pretty. Thank you. <laughs> um, and and when it comes to Fiorentina underscoring and and you know they should have definitely had more. They had twenty one shots to Spezia's yeah. nine. You yeah. know what I mean? But bear in mind, there's a team that just lost Vlaovic as well. So, um, rather than you know saying Spezia bring about their own luck and stuff like that. They did face a Fiorentina team that are going through a massive transitional period and it took fucking Sufyan Amrabat to get a goal. When's the last time Sufyan Amrabat even shot, you know what I mean? <laughs> You're absolutely right. I can't remember the last goal. I don't, I'm not even sure he scored for Veron. I can't even remember a single goal by that guy. Mm. But anyway, um, their goal-scoring woes aren't only an open play, bro. Um, they have missed so pe- many penalties this season, Fiorentina. You know, we look at Fiorentina. Biragi has uh-huh. missed, Piontek has missed too. Vlaovic had missed when he was still there. Uh, I think Biragi missed one and, and Vlaovic missed one, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but Piontek has missed a couple now, so... Yeah. 
Oh my god, man, this one. Do you think that Piontek should still be on the penalty taking duties? What the hell was that? <sighs> my fucking throat, dog. Whoa. Keeping the wine down, to be honest. <laughs> um, I don't know who can take them, bro. Like, probably I'd, I'd put Biragi on them. Over Stay, Piontek. man, fuck it. I'd put Biragi. Fuck it, Biragi shoots like yeah, an animal. But- even like 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 they could potentially like if Biragi has missed one in the previous month, then put Piontek on this one. They could kind of swap around like like he did with Vlaovic in that one game where Vlaovic went on free kicks mm-hmm. and Biragi went on penalties and they both scored. Yeah, from those situations, so it's very much they could feel it out, see who's on good form, and they can rotate between those two. But plus, I, I don't. See Piontek starting many games with Cabral in the team. You think Cabral so... will start? I don't know. Piontek's scoring, man. Again, it's hard to sub a player who's. It's hard to bench a player who's scoring. It's it's impossible to to answer that question because simply we haven't seen any of Cabral at all. Yeah. We saw him play like maybe sixty minutes last week, and and we saw him play a little bit here True. as well. And, and we've seen we've seen Piontek in the league before, so obviously we're gonna say Piontek. Um, but I, I look forward to see him battling it out, and I hope they both get goals. For sure, um, he got the unlikeliest of assists, Cabral. Obviously, he passed to Amrabat. Mm-hmm. He had no idea he was going to have it, and he just got an assist. <laughs> How funny that counts as an assist! Can I How say, good. is it just me, bro, or have people been shooting from corners way more frequently this season? Like we've had Dybala, Chalanoglu, and Biragi hit the crossbar from a corner this game. Mm. Oh my god. Um... One thing I've been noticing recently is, uh-huh, it, it has been happening more often. I think I was watching a Premier League game as well last time, and it, and it happened. Is there something you want um, to tell us, man? All these Paul Scholes, these Vidic, these people watching a Premier League game. Is, is there something you want to tell the listeners? It's football. Man? It's the beautiful game. Every game is beautiful. <laughs> um, but, but no, I don't want to tell you. But last time I had, I had a game on, and someone went for gold from a corner as well. And I think it's one of those... You know, unlikely shots that a lot of people. It's it's trendy mm. at the moment. Is is my point. So I have been noticing it more and more. It's true. I mean, why not? If you have the players who can do it, like Chalanoglu fucking tried it against Milan. Like if yeah. he did that, I would have fucking. I don't know what I would have done, man. I would have broken the TV. Yeah, I mean, it would have been okay. extremely frustrating had Chalanoglu scored from a corner against Milan for sure. But yeah. But anyway, Berag, you know, he's he's got such a shot on him. That guy's such an animal. Mm-hmm. He's got a rocket in his pocket. Definitely. Uh, Nico Gonzalez is adapting nicely. For me, he was the man of the match. He played really well, man. He uh-huh. was a menace. He was good. He was good. He was very good. It's not not usual uh, <laughs> this season. I think he had a good start. Then he dipped a lot and a lot and a lot and a lot. Um, but he had a good game this time around. I enjoyed watching him. Same here. Same here, man. Not much to say. Um, when it came to Spezia, I had it in mind that um, Spezia were safe, right? Because of the wins against Milan and Napoli. They cut out a bit from the relegation pool. Um, but then you read David's article, yeah? Um, no, not because... Well... I read David's article, it's it's amazing, and he makes some fantastic points. But I googled the past 10 seasons to see how many points, um, the maximum number of points a team was ever relegated with, just to see, like out of curiosity. Mm. Do you know there were, Empoli in one of the seasons were relegated with like 37 points, man. So there's still a long way to go. Oh, you know, Spezia have 26. Oh, was, they are was far that, from that, that wasn't long ago. No, that, that it wasn't, wasn't long ago. It was then, the one of Inter, no. the, the last game of the season where Handanovic exactly. saved their ass. That they was lost 2-1, the exactly. Uh-huh. So, so 26 points, they are far from safe. You know, they, they need, no, they have a lot safe. of work to do. 
you know, because those three wins no, on no. the trot gave them a bit of a boost, but they need to con- continue it, you know. They have to put their money where their mouth is now. They have to show that that wasn't a fluke. Mm-hmm. They're, they're probably out of, because I think from 14th to 20th, none of them are safe. <laughs> For sure. Obviously, eh, Udinese still have two games in hand, huh? Yes, I would say Udinese are probably the most save out of the bottom seven. But then they're only three points ahead of Venezia, and they have one game in hand if they're against, like, Venezia have played mm-hmm. 24 games, and Udinese have played 23. So they're, they're all in danger, mm-hmm. even Spezia. Spezia, the least, obviously, they're the highest up, but they're all in danger, man. It's extremely exciting, I have to say. Um, mm-hmm. Did I say where they stand? No, not yet. Okay, so um, Fiorentina are currently 8th with 39 points, while Spezia are 14th with 26 points. Excellent. Next game we're going to be covering is Verona 4, Udinese nil. So Silvestri's homecoming to the Bentegodi ended in disaster for him as his former side put four past him. A bit mean from That's them. That's very considerate. No, not at all. Prior to this, Sudanese had lost just one of their last 10 Serie A fixtures against Verona, keeping a clean sheet in seven of those. Against no other team have they kept as many clean sheets. However, Verona normally do... Wait, one second. However, Verona normally do take the cake at home, as they have now lost just two of their last 18 meetings against Sudanese in Serie A. Beto started this match from the bench, while Simeone was named in the starting eleven for Hellas Verona. So the play-by-play, Verona do have a tendency of starting a game off fast, and that's exactly what they did after the Paoli, the Paoli volleyed home after a Caprari cross in the second minute. After that, Isaac's success smacked the crossbar and Ziegler forced Montepo into a good save. However, in the 31st minute, the Paoli and Barak linked up well on a counter-attack, which led to Barak placing a dead ball into Silvestri's near-bottom corner. In the start of the second half, Montepo produced another fine save as Delafo tried to beat him for power, but the Italian shot-stopper did well to stand his ground and keep the ball out. In the 66th minute, Caprari headed home brilliantly after a Tameza cross on his 200th Serie A appearance for Caprari. So, congrats, Caprari. Really like you, bro. Montepo then did brilliantly to deny a looping Bacao header and stopping Delafeo once again as Molina followed up by smacking the crossbar. Nothing was coming off for Udinese. They were trying and trying and trying. Montepo was on fire and their luck was just all over the place. In the 84th minute, Tamez put the final nail in Udinese's coffin as he skipped past Ziegler and rifled the ball into the top corner, making it 4-0 to the hosts. Now, Udinese are still finding their feet since appointing, well, not appointing Trophy, since promoting Trophy rather. But there was a clear discrepancy, in my opinion, in the quality in midfield. So... Illich, Tamez, Barak and Caprari all bring such quality to the table when they're on. And it's not that Wallace, Jajalo and Makengo don't or they weren't good because they were very good. But they don't have the same instinct as those Verona midfielders. Like, let me let me paint the perspective for you. Udinese had 57% ball possession. They had 107 more passes than Verona. They had 15 more shots than Verona. Five more corners and they lost 4 0. When has that ever happened? Clearly, something's lacking for it's the because they, it's on crazy. paper, control the game, you know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> those statistics, even just to have six total shots and you have four goals, that's, in- that's incredible by Verona. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they scored early on 
Veron, and that could have been just the the deciding factor of the entire game, to be honest, because they could take a more cautious approach, Facts. and they probably broke. I, I don't know about the goal in the thirty first minute, but was it a counter attack? Yes, they, most of them were counter attacks. The there goal, we go, the man. So they, so they got an early goal. They sat back and they just absorbed the pressure. Um, Udinese aren't the most creative team, especially without Pereira, especially since they've they've lost Deolefo. As you mentioned, Wallace, Yaelo, and Makengo. They're they're more physical players than anything else. You know, even almost Udogi. They played the ball around well as well, man. They they were they were good. You know what I mean? But they don't they don't give those forward passes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gonna bring a player through on goal, and especially since Beto was out of the team. Like, all right, the Lafoe did. It was it was a technical technical ended. choice, right? Not playing Beto. I think so. No, I think so. Odd. He came on, and that's then, odd. It was very odd, and and it's funny how we discussed on the last episode <clears throat> if he's just pace mm. and strength. You know, what yeah, I maybe mean? he decided to yeah, give him um, a bit of a break to to bring him back mm-hmm. down to earth. But success was good, man. Isaac, success was decent. He's alongside had a few LFO. good games yeah. it's, since it's that shocker against Milan. Mm-hmm. I always say that Udinese don't play bad football, but they just don't win. You know what mm. I mean? Um, they're like really wasteful. Montepo was on fire, and then Verona were just those selective killers that, like, like you said. Um, they absorb, they absorb, they absorb, and then four counterattacks, and here we fucking go. Well, three counterattacks and a goal in the second minute. Sounds a lot like Hellas Verona <laughs> to me, man. But yeah. four, four goals and not a single one for Cholito, and he started. Yeah, the guy just stopped scoring, Once I'm again. telling you, man. He's just done, mm-hmm. he's done. His stocks are... Bad. So no, I, I only... Yeah. I, I only have uh, one more talking point, mm-hmm. because I really want to move on. Um, the Pauli started in place for Faroni once again for Verona. Um, success started ahead of Beto for Udinese. Why do you think this was the case? Obviously, we know that there are midweek fixtures for um, Coppa Italia. No, but but Verona are out of Coppa Italia. Mm-hmm. They lost to Juve. Mm-hmm. And I think Udinese are out as well. I mean, they would be. Eh? I just think if you have a squad... Why not utilize it, man? You know, I mean, but the Pauli has been really good. Has, I think he might have been fantastic. He had a goal and then assist this game. Of course, I do think that Faroni is a more decorated player at this point, a more seasoned player, a player that probably deserves to play a little bit more. But at the end of the day, you know, if you have a, if you have a squad, you have two players who play in the same position and then training one week, one of them shows more than the other. Fuck it, put them on. Maybe the Pauli works for it, maybe he earned it, you know. Um, clearly, Facts. clearly, he deserved to be there because he he looked great. No, he did look great. He did look great, and and I mean, he started the last game as well. And to be honest, I expect him to to start more games. But I really like Faron. He's one of my favorite right backs in the league. He's my second favorite right back, um, obviously behind Calabria. Calabria Davide. So Verona are ninth, keeping the pressure on Fiorentina. A lot of people are talking about Verona getting Europe. I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Udinese fifteenth, but they've only played twenty-three games of football this season. Oh yes, the next game was between Torino and Venezia, which ended two-one to Venezia. What you heard that correctly? Oh, um, Venezia move out of the relegation zone after a hard-fought victory, and boy, was it! A hard-fought victory. Um, Torino have only beaten Venetia once this century, bro. Serie B fixtures included. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, this was the first league victory since 21st of November for Venetia. So, yeah, wow. very good for them. 
very, very good for them. It all started in the fifth minute when Josip Brekalos scored. Um, there was a spell of catastrophic defending, um, which included Ampadu clearing the ball up terribly. Um, it felt to Singo mm-hmm. eventually who squared it to Brekalo, who took a touch and half volleyed at home. It hits uh, Lazzarini on the way in, but it was not enough to keep it out. Good goal, to be Brekalo's honest. Yeah. Been he, has, he has been really good. Now, bro, how would you pronounce this, this name? R-I-D-G-E-C-I-A-N-O. What the fuck? Like, why is that even Rigciano. It's Haps. Haps' his name is like Rigciano or something. Why the hell is that his name? I would say Rigciano. Eh? But that's like, yeah. th- that's dangerous for us. I want to double lisp. Three sentences in and a, and a glass of wine. Like, yeah, like, Rigciano. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right, you're right. We'll just call him Haps. What's the Haps? He scored um, exactly. the unlikeliest of scores, to be honest, an assist by Domen Chernigoy. This was a lovely team goal, which saw Okereke getting the ball on the halfway line and just kind of driving a little bit. And he actually opened his eyes. He has Boga syndrome sometimes, this guy. He doesn't quite open his eyes. <laughs> and he played the ball on the right-hand side to Chernigoy, played him through brilliantly. I believe it's Chernigoy, sorry. Um, mm-hmm. And then Chernigoy <laughs> whipped... A perfect cross to um, Haps, who headed it in. It hit the goalkeeper, but Vanya could not keep it out. Good goal, one-one. Mm-hmm. Half time, and Venezia came out to with the same energy as they ended the first half. And um, this time, it was Dom and Cernigo's turn to score, um, an assist by Mattia Aramu. Um, Haps was quick to take a throw, and he found Aramu, who drove a low cross into the box to find Cernigo, who shot. A rocket into the top corner. What a goal. What a goal. I'm very happy for Cernigo. He's been playing well all season. and um, With the M, Tim, no? From yes, Syria's and he liked, he liked it, man. He only has like 3K followers. So if you ever want to, That's to, to send Cernigo some, some congratulations or some nice words of affirmation, he will probably like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bear in mind, football is very toxic, guys. So sometimes positive. sending love to football yes, is, is important. Exactly, man. So exactly. do it. Now, Facts. in the 90th minute, Bellotti, who had come on in the 71st, you know, g- greeted by applause, you know, he had missed nine games due to injury. Mm. In the 90th minute, he scored a header, but it was cancelled due to an offside decision. The VAR review took four minutes. And then a few <laughs> seconds later, in the 98th minute, uh, there was a red card for Okareke. There was also a VAR review for that. Um, the referee had originally <laughs> given a yellow. He changed his mind. He gave him a red. There was the perfect opportunity to to one up Petania, who broke the the record for the latest goal ever scored in Serie A last <laughs> week. They could have totally done it this week, but they didn't. Two one oh, to Venezia. Game over. What a crazy, crazy result, especially considering the fact that Torino had sixty seven percent ball possession and fourteen shots to five. Um, you know, thoughts, bro. Thoughts. Mm-hmm. I think I think Venezia outbullied Torino. I think they did a good job when it came to staying tough in this game, being physical, tackling the fuck out of them, just beating them in the air. Um, I think that's how they won this game. I think they got their hands dirty. I think they need to do more of that. Mm-hmm. And I, you know how it is. Torino are a tough team and they tend to scrap mm-hmm. at times. Um, and Venezia outscrapped them, and I think that's where they won the game. I think that's where they really gave Torino. You're absolutely and plus right. Obviously, good on the You're ball. absolutely right. Now their woes continue. You know they're probably very happy to have Belotti back. You know they started Sanabria this game, who didn't take a single shot. You know, 
Mm-hmm. You have Bremer and Ricardo Rodriguez mm-hmm. have two shots, but Sanabria doesn't have a single one, you know. Um my god. They it, it's just they they've struggled. They haven't had a striker in a long time, man. Now, all season, yeah, all yeah. season they've been playing without a striker pretty much. They got Pellegri from Milan. I don't know where the hell he is. Um He should be playing more, should, definitely. Probably, but I <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised he if, he's, if he's out in an hour of game honest. time. But but anyway, mm. um, for sure they 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 must be happy to have Bellotti back. I want to highlight as well. First of all, um, Mitul, our our good friend and writer at Serie Spotlight, is writing an article on Torino, um, talking about their history. You know, he goes into a lot of detail when he writes his articles. He talks to locals. He does a lot of research. You know, he. He takes it very great, seriously, man. yes, and he's doing one on on Il Grande Torino, the team that was involved in the plane crash, that amazing team, you know, that whole mm. that whole tragedy. It's going to be extremely interesting. I can't wait. Um, Same here, man. Um, I want to highlight as well Ampadu, bro. Wow, like this guy is the type of player that purely would lick. Like he, he's incredible. He can play in <laughs> midfield. He can you can pop him in centre back. This game he played right back, you know, right back. Amp- Ampadu mm-hmm. as a right mm-hmm. back, you know. It's very versatile, and in fact, I was going to make a point on this because Pioli loves a versatile player. Yeah. So obviously, he had Dalo last year. This year, he has Florenzi. Kronich so the guys that can play right back, left back. Then there's Kronich. Then there's obviously the Leaos and the Rebic yeah. that can be popped up front as well. Rather than Kalulu, yeah. and Ampadu, Kalulu, um, literally Kalulu. And Ampadu is one of those guys, man. And I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised at all. He's a good player, Ampadu. I know he has a couple mm-hmm. mistakes in him every now and then, but he's twenty one in the Venezia team. And he's getting used to, to balancing old, without the dreadlocks. Mm-hmm. Why is literally why is Lazzarini playing? I believe Romero must be injured. I don't see any other reason to be honest with you. Because it's been it's been like three matches. Romero must be injured, man. Like he was playing so well. There's no reason to just randomly start playing Lazzarini. I'm gonna take a quick look to see if he was on the bench. Unless he told Zanetti to go fuck his mother. Exactly. Or something. That could also or, be the case. Or pulled up Pato and 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 what, bro? <laughs> fuck this dog. <laughs> What, what is it? That what Pato yeah. did? No, Pato married. Pato married Barbara um, Berlusconi, man. That's crazy. No, he wasn't on the bench, mental. Romero. So he must have been injured. Hey, he must be injured. He must be injured. But yeah, um, we saw a bit of Venezia's new striker. Um, his name is a weird one. Uh, where the hell is he? Insame. Insame. No? Yes, Insame. yes, he came on in the seventy-eighth minute. Um, I'm excited to see more of him, to be honest with you. I'm not a big fan of Thomas Henry. I, I think, you know... Like, please. I'm, like, obviously, there are better strikers in the league than Thomas Henry, mm-hmm. but he's, like, if, if you play the ball to him in the air, there's a, there's a big chance that he's going to at least connect with mm-hmm. it, you know what I mean? And we have to understand that this is Venezia's... Venezia don't have experience in, in Serie A. Mm-hmm. So they they brought this guy in for what five million was it? Yeah, something, something like something that. Like that. And... Record signing or something. Uh huh. I mean, it's a learning curve for them. You know sure. what I mean? They've got a physical striker up top who, to be honest, has gotten a few goals to his name this season. But they could definitely do with an improvement up there. So I'll be excited to see what Insame does. Definitely, as as David highlighted, you know, Venezia are missing kind of a Destro or a Joao Pedro or a Beto. You know, these other sides have have that. Ah, type but those of are those fall on your yeah. lap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Destro was dead for a while, Joao Pedro was dead for a while. They kind of come back from the dead, mm-hmm. these guys. So 
they they could do with signing one of these 35 year olds much like nani but maybe someone with league experience up front mm-hmm. for example definitely bro i don't know i don't really have anything else to add about this game um torino you know were were a little bit lackluster and they they took advantage of it venezia basically uh uh-huh. it's 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 just weird the period of time Torino are in because they they've been looking good but they lost exactly. two one at home to Venezia they lost two nil to Udinese they drew one one to Sassuolo in a game where they really should have won, um and before that they they beat Sampdoria and they beat Fiorentina four nil you know what yeah. I mean, um so it's it's weird um they they obviously they were close to relegation mm-hmm. last season so this is a massive upgrade for them they're in tenth place so. Can't be, can't be complaining. The trend is definitely positive for them. Of course, they're going to need a bit more time, a bit more reinforcements, especially up front. You know, they need to sort that out ASAP. Now, um, mm-hmm. Venezia are currently 18th with 21 points, while Torino mm-hmm. are 10th with 32 points. Next game, Empoli Cagliari 1-1. So this is the first time in history that this fixture resulted in a draw in Tuscany. What? Crazy. The previous encounter was a 2-0 win for Empoli. However, in the meantime, Empoli have conceded 13 in their last three home matches. <laughs> Whilst Cagliari are coming off a stunning 2-1 away win in Bergamo against Atalanta. Play by play, 38th minute, sneaky ball by Bayrami found Pinamonti, who although was surrounded by two opposition defenders, managed to finish brilliantly into the bottom corner to grab his ninth goal of the season insane. that's more than scam you know after mm-hmm. well is it it's, i think it's the it same might be as the same it might be more you can continue i'll check it quickly okay feel free to uh, ninth, me to tell ninth. Me. they're both on nine yeah nice after picking up momentum in the second half Cagliari managed to equalize in the 84th minute through substitute andrea pinamonti as he slammed the ball in in from close range during some confusion the opposition area which included the ball being cleared off a line at some point it was literally they were just bombarding empoli at that you time you mean pavoletti right not pinamonti man. sorry to, to oh my don't god don't worry about it don't worry yeah. it's fine, it's fine. they have a similar name pinamonti pavoletti you know P- pincilio hilarious i wrote i wrote pavoletti so i'm uh, like i <laughs> and i wrote that's pinamonti. the wine bro that's brilliant that's the wine Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like um, this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, well, I'm tired and tipsy. That's why she's <laughs> like, I'm a bimbo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Empoli did get a bit worse huh? towards the second. Yeah, but yeah. no, I don't think I'm going to take that back. I don't think they got worse. I think everyone else around them got a bit better. Sure, yes. Yeah. And they're they're kind of overpowering Empoli. Cagliari had to stop taking the piss, eh? They're, they're they're a team right now. I, I wouldn't like to play these guys, as I mentioned last week. They're, no, they're no, top, they're, they're a good team right now. Not a top team, of course, but a good. They'll team. give anyone a game For at the sure. moment, they Cagliari. They'll give anyone. They have a, a game. few dangerous weapons there. They're Dalbert, who they're not even sure where to play anymore. They're either popping him on the left up front to this, this time he featured mm. in midfield. Like <laughs> it's, it's weird. Like they they look good though, man. They do look good. Uh-huh. Bellanova's fitting so can. well as well. They can stay up, but they can also very much fucking get relegated, bro. But but what what stops me from thinking they're gonna get relegated? And then is the fact that in the last match against Atalanta, the amount of injuries that they had and they managed to pull off an away victory in Bergamo was nuts. And now they managed to hold Empoli at home. 
you know, they're, they, they've improved so much. They, you remember when at St. Martin's in Form 5, I got my first prize yeah, ever yes. for Outstanding, outstanding improvement. improvement, which is basically, yeah. I'm gonna... <laughs> calling me... <laughs> calling me special, exactly. basically. What, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna grab that certificate. I'm gonna fold it in four. I'm gonna put it in an envelope. I'm gonna Google Cagliari Stadium, and I'm gonna send it to them. Because they deserve the outstanding You're right. improvement. You're Madame right. Miho. You're right. 100%. Why did you get outstanding um, improvement, man? Because I stopped getting 20s and started getting 40s. That's way better. <laughs> that's, that's double. Uh-huh. No, no. I, I, had, I had improved. Genuinely. Really? Like, I started... Uh, you stopped started smoking in class? What? <laughs> Stop, bro. That is, that is so... Something I block from my memory, me in secondary okay. school. Um, where will Empoli end up this season? Like, obviously, I don't want to go into too much detail about will Cagliari get relegated or not because it's very much speculation. But where do you think Empoli will, will end up? Um, so they are currently... Let me just pull they up... They are currently eleven with 31 points. They're currently 11, 31. They're one point ahead uh, of Sassuolo, which is impressive, to be I honest. I think they finished 12th. 12th mm. okay you okay so Sassuolo jump them Bologna stay exactly. where they are or whatever I think they'll be slightly further down I think they'll get down to 13th okay. um uh-huh. I think somewhere there which is still impressive for their first season mm. judging that Benevento were in a similar situation the first half of the season last season and got relegated um anything is possible man they're on 31 points they're you know what I mean yeah they're not entirely, entirely safe. You know what I mean? I, I don't think anyone is. Yeah, but I think they're just, you know, em- Empoli. No, they're not going to yeah, get but relegated. You know, you but, look but at their form, it's bad. It's three draws teams. and two losses in their last five games. They need to turn things around. You know, we saw Benevento mm-hmm. last year who were, in the, who were 10th halfway through the season. Then mm-hmm. they just didn't win another game and got relegated. Literally, so literally, hopefully that doesn't happen. You remember they made them catch like the local bus yeah, home or yeah, something out of, out of frustration. Was, was upset with them. That's but weird, man. Um, last point, Bayrami. That's the only note that I have. Bayrami, very yes. good. He'll be at he'll be at like Lazio next season or or, or someone like or that. Some, uh, there's a team who needs season. an attacking midfielder who tends to buy from from um, you know teams that get relegated. Ooh. So you never know. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yes, Milan. sir. So Empoli eleventh, one point ahead of Sassuolo. Cagliari seventeenth, level on points with eighteenth place Venezia, who have a game in hand and the same goal difference. Yes, sir. Very tight. Ferminio has just scored against Inter. Now, the what's one the score? Nil, one nil. Hot. Yes. Now, <laughs> the next game took place between Genoa and Salernitana, the two bottom of the barrel, the two shits of Serie, mm-hmm. and it ended in a one-one draw, um, an entertaining one-one draw, to to be honest with you. Um, Genoa won... uh, relegation dogfight. Yeah. Eh? These are always fun. It's true, they're always fun, man. I'd rather watch these than. Many other games, to be honest with you. Even though mm-hmm. this did kind of phase out at the end, it's like they were all right with the draw, and I can't understand how you would be okay with the draw, man. Um, I think they they were slightly burnt out towards yeah. the end of the game as yeah, well. For sure. But anyways, go on. Um, Genoa remain winless since September and have only been victorious once this season. Yes, they're gonna oh need God. more than a blessing. No. 
Play play, 32nd minute, Destro scored. Ecoban did really well to dribble into the box and squared it to Destro, who couldn't miss, to be honest, great goal. In the 46th minute, Bonazzoli mm-hmm. um, scored after Verdi was twisting and turning on the right-hand side. He crossed the ball to Juric, who basically knocked it down to Bonazzoli, who fired it home. Boom, 1-1. One, one. Yes. Um, Destro was lively this game He played really well to be honest with you But he missed two very good chances in front of the goalkeeper So like a performance like that I never know what to say Because the guy played well and he was kind of like The driving factor behind many of the Genoa attacks But he was wasteful so he was fucking them up himself What do you think bro? Uh, I think it's an improvement from his previous performances because he was kind of phased out of the team. I felt like there was a disconnect between him and his teammates So as long as he's involved and getting shots away It's definitely an improvement could he brush up on that? Well, Destro could have brushed up on that 10 years ago <laughs> as well. Yes. You know what I mean? He was never a clinical finisher. Just a, a, a crazy guy that, that tries shit and gets goals. So I think it's very on-brand for Destro to get the result for his team, but fuck up, fuck up a couple of chances sure. as well over there. So I, I expect nothing. nothing At one more. point, he did the Giroud twist. He did the mm-hmm. Giroud twist and he kind of shot it right into the goalkeeper who caught it like... Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, Genoa dominated the game and were dominating prior to Salernitana's um, unlikely equaliser. In fact, that was completely against the run of play. Um, the possession afterwards at the end of the game was 50 50, uh, with 15 mm-hmm. shots to Genoa wow. and 12 to Salernitana. The second half, however, was not as entertaining as the first, as I mentioned before. The game was often interrupted by substitutions, and neither team could kind of get momentum going. There was often, you know, this interruption after interruption after interruption it killed the momentum completely. I think it's it's similar to um, Napoli Inter, yeah. where they didn't want to go crazy because they feared dropping three points. And because they're in a delicate situation, not quite a title race, it's they're fucking 19th and 20th in the league. So I don't think either of them afford to, to keep on losing three points. So to be honest, I think they'll both gladly take a point and move on. But it, then again, I would want to win. Yeah, this I game, wouldn't huh? say like they probably. Would, they I look would at Genoa and I look at Salernitana, and playing against the other team is probably the only game they can win the season. Yeah, exactly. In fact, I, I would say that neither of them are happy with this result. You know, um, in fact, Salernitana sacked their manager. They sacked Colantuono. They brought in uh-huh. Davide Nicola. Now, Davide Nicola. Um, those who have been following Syria for some time are very familiar with the name. He comes in pretty much every season. Now, his um, his mm-hmm. successful, his most successful feat was in 2016 when he was appointed the manager of newcomers um, Crotone in Syria and was tasked with the seemingly mm-hmm. impossible task of salvation. Um, at that point, Crotone had only collected nine points in the first half of the season. And, mm-hmm. you know, Davide Nicola said that he would ride his bike from, from Crotone to Turin if he, if he managed to save them. Next, <laughs> he got them he, up to 19th. He got them up huh? to 17th, two points above relegation, ahead of Empoli in the final match day of the season, which was hailed. Ah, you're not saying last no, season. No, no, no. This was back in 2016. Ah, okay. it, was, it was hailed a footballing okay. miracle, you know, um, him managing to save them. So hopefully Salernitana... Would be hopeful for this to to happen again, you know. They're like, all right, this guy saved Crotone, he can save us. Do you, do you think he can save them? <laughs> no, bro. No, they're done for. No, they're, they're, done. Done. they're done. They're finished. They're finished. I I don't see like even just looking at their lineup. There's no one that will, 
you know, tempt any of the bigger teams or the Serie A teams to sign them once or if they inevitably get get relegated. There's no buzz about them. The most impressive game that I saw them play <laughs> was against Napoli. It was last game. It was against Napoli and that and that one nil in the derby and in the last game that that two two um, because very discord oh, yes. free kicks. They they have looked a bit better recently. Like in fact, I'm quite surprised they they let Colin Tuono go. I don't know what they they expected from him. I think a win against um, Genoa. But, but you get it. <laughs> Potentially, eh? um, but you get what they're trying to do. Yeah. They just want one guy that's gonna come in, have instant success, and and get them and get them um, to safety. And to be honest, if that takes five managers and it'll take five managers, they'll they'll keep on doing what they can. For eh? sure, for sure, bro. Um, back to my point of how nothing happened, by the way, at the end of this game, from the 62nd minute onwards, each team had just two shots each, and that's not enough. That's not my that, god, terrible. I'm not sure if it's the quality, if it's the desire, yeah. it's hard to tell when you're watching as well because the game's so often interrupted and this so hard to mm-hmm. tell. Um, that's basically everything. This episode is way longer than it should be, as usual. Um, should we do the questions course, or the questions? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I got a quest. Hello and welcome to Serie A Spotlight's question segment over here. Um, to drop your questions, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, um, wherever, to be honest, and just um, DM us a question. Um, we typically post right before. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So the first question comes from... I'm not ready in the slightest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you said you send them all to me on WhatsApp, yes, yes, so yes, just open exactly. WhatsApp. The first question comes from Sammy, our new follower. He asks on on Instagram. Love yeah. Sammy. You know him? No, just he's Sammy underscore Juve. I was wondering if he was a follower because you knew him or not. Um, he seems like a nice guy. No, a nice no, guy. no. He asks pretty basic question, but do you think that Inter are going to drop more points, especially with their Champions League match against Liverpool? Will this test their squad depth? And thank you, very polite. Um, thank you very much for your question, Sammy. We appreciate it. Um, I do think, personally, that um, Inter will drop more points. Um, the fixture is getting tighter. One injury in midfield will see their creativity dip, as we mentioned before. They only have muscle left over there. Um, so I, I do think that their their bright days of being untouchable are behind them. What do you think, bro? Uh, I think we, unfortunately, we went over this earlier on um, when discussing Napoli-Inter. I think, I think, more than not having the resources to cope with the midweek matches, I think they could get caught into bad form. And they, I think they could lose a couple of key players through injury, through their tight schedule that will affect their performances. So I think they'll lose a couple more points this season. Um, I think the three-horse title race will go to the very end. I think Napoli, Milan and Inter will take it all the way. And, and that will consist of each team dropping points and each team's getting victories that, that maybe we didn't expect them to get. Very good. The next question comes from, say, a spotlight writer, Mitul, good friend of the podcast too, of course. Um, he asks, Pinamonti has scored nine Serie A goals so far. Will clubs go for him in the summer? Um, I need to remember Pinamonti's age. Pinamonti is like 22, I believe, bro. Ah, uh, 22, 22. Yes, man, okay. for sure. Definitely, fucking right. Who, 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 goals. who, who, who will go yes. for him? Probably Sassuolo. That's will go a for good him. shout. They'll lose. 
they lose Kamaka and potentially Raspadori. Uh huh. I see, and I see him there, man. To be honest, I see him at Why Sassuolo. Not? The question is, do they afford him? That's the question. Yeah. Um, does he have a release clause? I, I doubt he has a release clause. Um, Torino, I can see mm. maybe going for him as well. They need a striker really badly. I wouldn't. Well, the, the, the Sassuolo will get a. Mm. They'll, they'll definitely get a payout for Skamaka anyway, so they they will afford him. Uh, Torino, you yeah, said. Yeah, I think the highest he can go. The highest he can get maybe is Lazio as an immobile understudy. Because they just got rid of Mourinho yeah. and they kind of have no one else as a, as a substitute for for um, immobile. So uh-huh. maybe that, that would be an interesting possibility for Lazio. That would be the uh-huh. that, that would be a good one. And you know, someone to play in the cup as yeah. well, because he's by no means a bad no, striker. Uh, he, he could even be involved, man. He for could sure. be involved. And the mobile is getting older, so uh, it would be cool if someone who had someone like Lazio who have had the mobile for so long, and he's nearing, you know, to, how old is he? He's like the mobile is thirty-one, nah, bro, not that old. Ah, he's thirty-one. Okay, I thought for some reason I he's thought he been was around for so long. But that's why. It's it's good it's good to get advice for him early on from a young age that could kind of learn from him, then stay at the club for an even longer period of time. You for know sure. what I mean? Be the Mister Miyagi kind of thing. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, but I think that's the the most likely scenario. Of course, if if we're talking about staying in Italy, and I do think that his his talents and his skill set will be more appreciated than it, in Italy than in the Premier League, for example. Potentially in La Liga, but for sure. But I do see him staying in Italy. Uh, I don't like Italian strikers in um, in England. No, I don't neither like do I, man. Especially, especially like, they don't lately. give them time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they don't give them time at all. Gabbiadini, Cutrone, mm. none of them. Um, Mitul asked us quite a bunch of questions, but I think we have discussed many of them already. It was like, do Milan play better without Ibrahimovic? Piontek's crazy form. Um, he asked over here statistically: mm-hmm. Simon Inzaghi's Inter is better than Conte's Inter. What is your take on it? I think Conte maybe had an even better team. Um, so obviously he had Lukaku, he had Hakimi, but he didn't have Hakan. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Um, if if you were to ask me, should Simone Enzag in some weird world, if Simone Enzaghi's Inter played Conte's Inter, I think there's one winner and it's Conte's mm-hmm. Inter. But I think from a management perspective, Simone Enzaghi only having one season facing a financial crisis and doing what he did, then I will credit him with all my heart and give him For what respect sure. he deserves. But I also think it's worth pointing out over here that we're still halfway through. Huh? Um, Conte, yes. the main thing about him is his like his consistency, his ability to keep a team driven until the very end of the year, like fighting at every single minute, every single second of the game, you're fucking bleeding for it. You know, um, and Zaghi has sure. been criticized on that end, actually, for being a little bit of a butler. So you never know. You never know. It is very impressive. Ah, the true. start that Inzaghi has had, the fact that Inzaghi's start is better than Conte's start with worse players is crazy. Take no, taking nothing away from Inzaghi, mm. but there's still a long way to go, so we still have to see. For sure, for sure. Yeah. But I think I think that's it for us, dude. What do you think? Yes, there's one more question. There's one more question. Oh, yes, super. from Seb Rousey at S Rousey on Twitter, and he asks: Refs get a lot of hate. But do they really do such a bad job? Um, <laughs> it's such a resounding yes, but a resounding no at the same time, eh? Because football wouldn't operate without yeah. the amount of professional referees that we have. And there are 
some incredible referees that make me very happy and then there are some terrible referees that make my life absolute hell there are some that keep the game going on when it should keep going on and there are some that stop play when it shouldn't be stopped and, and that's just fucking frustrating i think there are a lot of professionals uh but obviously when you're officiating 90 minutes of football then you're gonna make a mistake every now and then just like players make mistakes uh football fans don't like blaming their teams at times so they tend to take it out on the ref and that's quite unfair um or fair at some some stages but yeah that answers my question the, resounding the yes and resounding no yes yeah, so the problem is if you're too lenient then they criticize you for never calling any fouls and if you're too strict they criticize you for never letting the play go on now I don't have a problem with strict referees. I don't have a problem with lenient referees. I tend to favor, of course, lenient referees more because they, they encourage mm-hmm. more play. It's, it's it's nicer to watch, of course. And in the Champions League, you know, that's what you get. In the World Cup, that's really what you get, you know. Um, my main problem, of course, is with, with mistakes that just shouldn't be made, you know. No, like, 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 uh, like whistling, calling a foul when an advantage should be played is a rookie mistake, in my opinion. Exactly. Like, and that's exactly, exactly what happened, for example, in Milan like, Spets, yeah. A mistake that a 13-year-old would make isn't a mistake a 45-year-old referee should be making, you know what I mean? For sure. Like That's also, all I ask for. Yeah. Um, being proud. Pride is the, the death of, of Italian referees. They're so proud, man, refusing, refusing to use VAR, refusing to change their mind, even though the decision is clear. But anyway... Yeah, that pretty much answers the question. So we can wrap this fucking long sausage up, my friend. Somebody got a hold on me. Pride is the devil. Keep going, keep going. Left so many R.I.P. Pride is the devil. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I, I To be honest, I doubt anyone. I doubt anyone's listening. If day. you're listening, DM us banana sandwich. <laughs> if you're listening DM us banana sandwich and we'll give you something we, like we I prob- exactly we'll send you something to your house it it could be a kit or it could be chlamydia like <laughs> it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter we're giving you something chlamydia <laughs> in an envelope exactly brilliant right. thank you guys thank remember you. follow Instagram, us at Twitter, Sarah Spotlight the website, website as well you can read our blogs they're very good um, mm-hmm. sayaspotlight.com Thank you very much, guys. And follow me at Fenko97. Yes, sir. At that Milan fan.